Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Geek Vibes This is director and writer of movies, David Lynch. Um, I'm not exactly sure why I'm here. Um, I'm in some type of dream sequence. Dan Housen uh, told me to go down this pathway and say, thank you for listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, someone get David out of here. We need him to go back to wherever the fuck he was in this world. Thanks, David. Uh, your <laughs> your David Lynch sounds like Dave Meltzer if he just took like a bunch of zannies. Yeah. So if Dave Meltzer, Dave Meltzer sounds, yeah, you know, yeah, you, you gotta like, uh, you gotta do a lot of pauses in between. I don't know what the fuck that was. So how are you guys doing out there? This is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I've been watching way too many David Lynch movies lately. That's going to be the title of this episode. I don't know. Probably not, but still. Uh, we're here. We don't have a hell of a lot to talk about, but we'll probably take up at least three hours regardless. And here for that journey, not the one that David's on, hopefully creating another fantastic dream film that I will have no idea what the fuck happened at the end of it sometime soon. It's been a while since Inland Empire, David. Uh, but yeah, really joining me for this journey, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Chris, how are you doing? Let's sit my rock star. Oh, oh, I'm just over here writing, you know, a love letter. You know what a love letter is, Dave? <laughs> Go ahead. Tell is, is it some type of uh, symbolic nature for taking the dump or something? <laughs> oh, it's a bullet from a fucking gun. If you get a love letter from me, you're fucked forever. Oh, blue velvet. Heineken, yeah. fuck that shit. Paps Blue Ribbon. Noon beers. Let's go. I'm excited to talk about wrestling, buddy. Yes, yes, yes. Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, right. Damn. How the hell? Like, what made him think, you know what? I'm going to have my villain just take huge hits of ether um, repeatedly. <laughs> I don't know. It is such like a fucking comic book villain that I love it so much. Well, just like just uh, like you, if you ever seen Lost Highway, just Robert Loggia as the villain great some mob boss motherfucker but i don't even know what the hell's going on anymore um and you know who definitely doesn't know what the hell's going on anymore chris vince mcmahon well we could say him but definitely triple h uh <laughs> god all right so this is pretty much the only news we got for nxt this week uh by the way Braun Braun breaker still doesn't suck uh and uh tomaso champa and Pete Dunne were both featured in singles matches, and apparently they might be moving to the main roster, which is absolutely terrifying. So they might be at Rumble. But uh, even I, even better, I, I like their I, I like their idea of moving someone to the main roster is to put them on fucking main event, which no one sees. I had to go out of my way to see Champa this week. So stupid. Well, I got some great news for you uh, if you're worried about it, Chris. Uh, you know, with the recent departures of Gabe Sapolsky, William Regal, and Road Dog, uh, and, you know, Paul Levesque, a.k.a. Triple H, kind of taking a backseat since his uh, heart incident. 
uh, or cardiac event or whatever the fuck they call it, heart attack. Um, Bruce Pritchard's now in pretty much prime control. So, you know, uh, him and I believe Johnny Russo, which has no relation to Vince Russo, and Christine Lombrano are brought in now to run NXT. I don't know who the fuck the other people are, um, but also Dewey Foley, uh, Mick's son, he's a part of the team now, and they're just going to bring us the best NXT possible, um, especially with Bruce Pritchard. Hey, question, whose lips do you think has been on Bruce Pritchard's ass more between him and Michael Cole? Like the actual Kiss My Ass Club, Chris. And how do you like this? Is this exciting? Hey, buddy, you're still muted, just in case you didn't know that. Oh, my bad. I was just saying, yeah, I, I, I well, one, I hate this. And two, it, it just points to Vince McMahon trying to make NXT a more WWE product, especially for TV. I mean, it's. I don't know. We talked about this kind of last week where I was like, this feels like one of their Saturday Sunday shows from the 90s now. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so, uh, Dooley Foley, he's just like a third or fourth writer. So it's weird that he's been <laughs> being brought up in these conversations, I guess, with NXT. So don't, don't you know, maybe just don't include him in those articles. He probably doesn't want to be included in in these articles. Um, I don't know the other two people that's underneath Bruce Pritchard, but it, they've been doing this for a while. Like when, when they started sending writers down to NXT, I guess it was like, how long ago was that? Cause we talked about it on the show. I was like, uh, is this the end of NXT and kind of made a joke about it, uh, of how they were just going to start overriding everything. And, uh, here we are, Dane. Less than a year ago, man. <laughs> And NXT has been completely rebuilt in the image of Vince McMahon, um, our Lord and Savior. Uh, God, poor Hunter, man. He had this vision, uh, you know, and uh, more and more stuff keeps on happening. You know, you, you fire all those people. You change the look of it. You have Braun Breaker coming out and destroying the old logo, you know, which apparently didn't make uh, certain people happy. You're getting rid of a lot of the... Uh, long-standing people either by firing them or building them up for the main roster which is really always a great thing um especially if you're not huge well actually shit carrying cross and and uh which we call it uh keith lee proved that you can be a big son of a bitch and also still not make it on the main roster and uh you know hunter's just chilling at home and going to meetings on boats or whatever the fuck with with, with vince and uh that's it <laughs> XT, uh is pretty much done so uh yeah, I, 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 guys, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, just like Raw, we might do some highlights if they happen, but it's definitely not an essential for us to go over NXT every week, I would say. I mean, if Impact keeps putting on bangers of shows, we might replace it, I would say. <laughs> uh, do you know what sucks about that, though, Chris? Is that, and, and we're going to go into the Impact pay-per-view and at least the... Uh, the follow-up main event for uh, last week's show. I love Tommy Dreamer, and I don't like the fact that he got let go the way that he got let go. Don't have to go into that whole entire thing. But I really feel like, because I know that he was heavily involved with some of the sillier shit they were doing, um, 
I'm glad they're they're not doing that. Um, it seems like anymore, uh, because that was definitely a turnoff for Impact for me. So I don't know if that had to do with Dreamer. It just seems weird after he's gone. We don't have these stupid fucking reality TV show shit. So I love Tommy. Uh, glad he's back on Busted Open, but uh, maybe that was for the best. <laughs> so that you're talking about the House of Hardcore stuff. That's that seems like you know they they had an idea. Maybe it was just poorly implemented. With with something like that, it, you have to kind of do it with the whole roster for it to work, like kind of a lucha underground thing, because now you're blurring the line of your wrestling show versus a reality show or soap opera. It, I think if they would have went full send with it, where it was like everyone on the roster, it might have worked. But uh, yeah, that's, it was it was shitty. We talked about it on this show before. They did that thing. Just like where it ended up with Rosemary getting married to a guy she didn't want to get married to, and someone I don't even remember getting shot at the wedding with Tommy <laughs> doing the uh, Simpsons impression. Um, that was all really great stuff from whoever. The the last the last house of hardcore I remember is just Chris Saban hanging dong on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if that yeah. helps or hinders. Um, but yeah, no, like I just want to say. I hope Triple H is okay and healthy because yeah. man has this guy disappeared <laughs> off the face of the planet kind of since his, his cardiac problems and uh you know steroids it's a hell of a drug Dane It is a hell of a drug I guess they shouldn't have given that motherfucker money you know I'm just kidding. I really did love the product of NXT and what we're about to go over our next news article and pretty much our last news article until we go over the the shows from this last week, including the uh, two things that happened this last weekend with Impact and AEW. Um, you know, when, when, when you get to the uh, PWG best of where they're, they're uh, writer or not writers, but, you know, their fans get to pick and choose you would see a lot of NXT people usually on here. And that was definitely not the case this year because, my lord, it seems like almost every award went to AEW within, uh, you know, all of them. Um, we had uh, uh, one one WWE person that makes this list we're going to go over, but it's Edge, so <laughs> it's not... It's kind of weird in that in general, but, the, but uh, the only two are Edge and Nick Gage, which Edge got Inspirational Wrestler of the Year, Nick Gage got Indie Wrestler of the Year. I will say, I think if everyone keeps on forgetting, I understand it was the pandemic year, but Edge has been back for more than uh, for longer, basically than Christian, and I kind of think. I think Christian had a better year than Edge. I think Edge was involved in some great match with Seth Rollins, obviously the title with Roman and, and Daniel Bryan at the time. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Christian w- was headlining a WWE pay-per-view, an Impact pay-per-view, and an AEW pay-per-view, main eventing all of them. Uh, when he came back from the Royal Rumble, uh, you know, he just took on... Basically, WWE wanted to sideline them, it seemed. Uh, I, I don't know exactly. We were thinking that we are going to get Edge and Christian back together. That didn't happen. He went over to AEW. He had great matches uh, with Frank Kazarian right starting off with. Um, and then, obviously, with Kenny. 
uh, being the person that beat him, took the Impact title from him, going to Impact again and kind of finishing up his run there as a champion, having a great match with Josh Alexander, which would end up with Moose cash, uh, cashing in at the end of it and winning the title. But, you know, I'm, I guess maybe some people would think it's apples to oranges, but that's the one I kind of have issue with for the most part and match of the year, I would say on this list and we'll go over the rest of them. But, uh, the two people that weren't of a W Chris, uh, Nick Gage and edge both winning their respected, uh, you know, matches, indie wrestler of the year for, for Nick Gage, inspirational wrestler of the year for edge. I'm actually kind of, um, I think it's crazy that Danhausen didn't win, uh, over Nick Gage. I got to admit that too, but Nick Gage is definitely someone that's up there. What do you think? I don't know what their criteria was for the award. I know that it's voted on by their readers, but I would say Matt Cardona, if you're talking about who I would consider an indie wrestler for yeah. guy of the year. Um, but if you're, if you're technically signed to a different company, I don't know how that affects that. But Matt Cardona, as far as I know, is not signed anywhere. And he he's the one that made that Nick Gage shit so important. Not to demean Nick Gage, but like uh, having WWE Matt Cardona show up and do a death match made people care about Nick Gage in a way they haven't cared about him since CCW. No, I agree. Do you uh, agree with uh, Inspirational Wrestler of the Year going to Edge? No, and I also, we talk about uh, comeback of the year. I don't necessarily think it should have been Punk who got, well, we'll just go ahead and spoil, spoiler alert for you guys. Comeback wrestler of the year was CM Punk. And to me, it's Christian because I think he had the best matches last year. He's been hilarious in promos. Um, I think overall he's been better than Edge. Obviously, he's not been pushed in this. Well, can't even really say that because he, he was. Um. I, I, I don't know. I When I think of Edge, I think about that shitty Randy Orton match right offhand <laughs> at that first WrestleMania comeback. <laughs> when well, I think about was, Christian, I think about good-ass matches <laughs> with Kenny Omega. You know, it's weird. And that match was two years ago. That's why I think I think people are accumulating at least the readers for PWI the last two years for Edge and saying thinking maybe it's, it's one year. Um, because, you know, like I said... First time in front of people, which is great. Sucks with the pandemic, but I mean, he's been back. Comeback, I could I could see why CM Punk would win, just because even though injury seems like it would be bigger, we I don't think anyone thought that CM Punk was ever fucking coming in a wrestling ring. So even though he might not have the best, well, he did have a good match with Darby Allen. Had a good match, you know. I mean, it's been here or there, you know, trying to be this veteran. Uh, that's that's grizzled and taking on everyone, even if he's getting his ass kicked by people he shouldn't. But, uh, yeah, interesting one. Do you want to go to the main ones, though? I, I like that CM Punk's new gimmick is, like, let me do Bret Hart matches, and then when people shit on the internet, someone will be like, it's exactly what Bret Hart did. It's actually really fucking funny. Yeah, he's taken so many spots from both Piper and, and, and especially now, like, literally endings, like, I, I totally disagree, even with the great Lance Storm about the, uh, well, we'll get to that match with him and Wardlow. I thought that that was actually uh, pretty well done. I agree with uh, Bully Ray and a lot of other vets uh, that think differently. But uh, let's get to some of these main ones. We already talked about comeback. We, most uh, most improved wrestler of the year, Britt Baker. 
you know, once again, uh, I think Britt's been fine. Maybe two years ago, this would be a good award for her. But I think that's kind of an insult a little bit, Chris. I don't know who I'd have as, you know what? I think you could definitely have Bobby Lashley in this category. And it would be, I think, makes makes a lot more sense to this last year in general. Yeah, like I would agree with that. Bobby Lashley would have been. I what well, once again we didn't get the uh, people you could vote for. I guess he may have been on that list. I don't understand the Brent Baker because she kind of had like yeah. after the Thunder Rosa match, and maybe that's what it is. Is like she was most improved after the Thunder Rosa match, but really since then, uh, she had the Britsburg match with who? Who the hell was that? Red Velvet or I think it was. That match against Red. I'm trying to think of matches that Britt has had since then that would make me put her here. But like, if you're, I don't know. It's it's really weird because there is this two year span that kind of combines together because of COVID. Really, if we're being honest. But uh, I didn't have a big problem with her winning here. I just, I think that she's, you know, if, if you take away the injuries, etc., she probably would have got there a lot quicker. Um, I didn't have a huge problem with this particular one. Some of the other ones with Britt Baker's name associated with, uh, I had more of a problem. How about rookie of the year going to Jay Cargill? I could see her being in the conversation, but I think Braun Breaker over anyone uh, to me represents that concept better. Yeah. The fuck out of here. If you didn't pick Braun Breaker for this, you're, you're shitty. I mean, I like Jade Cargill just fine. Um, but like this man wrestled like six months, he's the NXT champion and every match he's had has been an absolute fucking banger unless it was just a squash match. I don't, I mean like, like Jay Cargill, I'm glad she won the title. She's fine at what she's doing, but like not on the same level as like Braun Breaker, who's going to be their next like WrestleMania guy. Um, I hate to say this, but Jake Cargill's not the best woman in that women's division on AW. So that's, uh, I don't know. Io Shirai, Rookie of the Year, Dane, I guess. <laughs> All right. Most hated wrestler of the year. I think this makes a lot of sense. MJF. Uh, the only one that, I mean, the only one that's good at being a heel, like, like I'm not talk, I'm not saying that Adam Cole, Kevin Owens, certain guys like that aren't great heels. It's just, they're cool. People still end up rooting for them. The only person that gets that reaction near MJF and still not close is Sami Zayn. Um, so I, I think it makes sense. MJF can go a lot darker than most people. He doesn't have a script. He's just able to go out there and be this kind of modern, uh, you know, Buddy Rogers, if you will, uh, or or maybe a Gino Hernandez, you know, just a piece of shit. Terry, uh, Terry. Terry Bollea. I was about to say Terry Bollea. I can't believe that. Uh, Tully Blanchard. You know, that type of level of 80s heel that no one is able to pull off today. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a toss-up between him and Roman. Uh, like, the, those I would have been Roman's the two choices. Cool, yeah, I guess he is kind of cool. But he's he's been a very shitbag heel. Um, yeah. But MJF is like obviously the he cut the best promos. He's believable outside of the ring on Twitter and stuff. Like he easily ran away with this. He was like we on our top tens. 
for like wrestler of the year, we specifically talked about how fucking great of a heel. He's probably the best heel in the business right now. So uh, that one is hard to argue with. If you're going to have a number two, I would say Roman for the past year. Yep. Uh, most popular wrestler of the year. Um, I can see why CM Punk would be this, especially because, like I said, when he first was coming back, it exploded. Uh, but if I'm going to be honest with you, I feel like Roman probably should have taken this. Kenny Omega, Brock Lesnar, I could see winning over him. But I don't have a problem with CM Punk being the most popular wrestler of the year. He is someone that's a big name. No one thought he was going to come back, and he did. So don't have as much problem as one that we're about to get to that I'm just fucking rolling my eyes at. I kind of feel like Sting should have been one of the voting options because Sting gets a bigger pop than any of those guys whenever he shows up. <laughs> yep. Uh, but no, all, all joking aside, CM Punk, I don't have a problem with his most popular wrestler of the year because he sold a like, shit ton of merch. But like you said, with Roman, he also has sold a, a ton of merch and I, I think he means more to the show, but that's kind of a different... Most popular being a... Uh, an actual popularity contest. Uh, CM Punk is still pretty big. I don't. I, I like that he's went back to being an asshole on Twitter now. By the way, that took uh, all of like three or four months. Yep. Well, and, and uh, I guess you got to think about it. When news is going to report about wrestling, whether it be sports news or something else, mainstream. You know, celebrity gossip news, whatever the fuck, TMZ, if you will. But if, if a sports show for ESPN or TMZ were to pick up on something, I would say probably over Roman, probably over Omega, you would hear people like Brock Lesnar and CM Punk because they are that mainstream. So I I can see this yeah. of why it's like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Brock is probably the actual answer but um he kind of just came he was only yeah because he he only wrestled like he came back in what november i guess because he signed that weird contract back in the summer so like that that's one that i could be okay with i guess if you said steampunk i mean he did make chicago almost blow their entire city up when he showed up so it's a big name they're crying man Hey, man, that's awesome, though. Like, hey, look, I'm not the guy that's ever going to make fun of someone crying over wrestling because I'm a, a sensey kind of guy. And there's definitely been moments in wrestling where I've done the same thing. <laughs> Unfor- like, fortunately for every- for me and for everyone else, you don't get my ugly cry <laughs> recorded forever in the lineage of a company. Yeah, man, uh, I think... It hit me when uh, Roman came back in Atlanta, just being a part of that crowd when he beat cancer. Uh, that was a that was like probably the last one, especially actually at a, a real event. Um, it's, it's easy to being sensitive, you know. It's okay. Feud of the year. This one makes complete sense. I mean, you've had Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, Charlotte and Becky. You've had, of course, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Uh, you've had Kenny Omega and Adam Page. So let's give it to Jericho and MJF because they had a fucking dance number. And this made people, I feel like, kind of tune out a bit on Chris Jericho. 
and I feel like he has fatigue based on this stupid fucking feud, and I think really killed a lot of credibility for MJF that he's had to rebuild and has since then. So I I don't give a fuck what a magazine thinks of the damn uh you know segment itself when they danced and shit. Uh, I I didn't like it, and this being feud of the year to me, you know, another one, Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers, uh, is a fucking joke. So this one's the one I have the biggest problem with. Yeah, I have to agree with you. This is well, I I get why it was maybe voted that way because it was like what six months, seven months of them doing that shit, right? So if they're talking about just longevity of the feud, I guess. So, but there there were better feuds like Adam Cole and Kenny Omega, I think is a, or not Adam Cole, Adam Page and Kenny Omega, I thought was a better feud, but whatever. What the fuck do I know, Dane? But I agree with you. This one, this might be the biggest atrocity just because most MJF fans and Jericho fans were like, holy shit, can we just like get over this hump of these guys just always wrestling? And uh, it, I wouldn't even really call it an MJF Jericho feud because it became a group effort more than it was just those two feuding. Definitely. Yeah, I, I just ugh. not was not a fan of the feud. I don't think it did good for either of the wrestlers. I understand there was longevity with it, but I just feel like when it, it I mean, I guess these are their fans and, you know. It's kind of like when you get to the uh, Wrestling Observer Awards, but I just feel that there's a lot more credibility with that audience because they're more into certain things. I think I'm assuming PWI is much more mainstream in nature, Chris, with their audience. PWI, if you're yeah, with PWI, you just have to be a subscriber to vote for these things with the Wrestling Observer uh, Awards. You either have to have been subscribed for I think it's 10 years and um and and or and or have been in the wrestling business whether you're like a ref and or a former wrestler to, uh, take a, a a stiff shot nice chop from shizuki in the chest that's the uh platinum level <laughs> get platinum level i don't want I, I you know what keep the platinum level i don't want suzuki out here chopping me i'm good uh Technically, I have voters' rights on PW, uh, or not PW, but uh, Wrestling Observer Live, because I've been I've been a uh, subscriber to that newsletter for forever. But they're they're more strict on their stuff, and especially their uh, I think their Hall of Fame voting is all people that were former into the industry. Um, their awards are a little different, but the uh, like their actual Hall of Fame, it's it's actually it's more like uh, uh like the NFL or you know, Major League Baseball, where it's actual former wrestlers or people that were big names in, in wrestling to vote for that stuff. But uh, PWI, I mean, it is a wrestling magazine. It's one that kind of tries to keep stuff or used to try to keep stuff kayfabe. So it's, I don't, I don't know. But they, you know, the top 500 thing is always big every year, right? And uh, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just baffling to me that that company still exists because they don't really, they don't really have any. Hey, if you guys want a podcast, if PWI wants to hire us, we're down oh, for that. Do they have like but, a uh, web Like, how are they still a magazine? Is what I want to know. 
it's it's they have a digital and then they also release the top 500 in this top 10 into the year thing that we're talking about now and those yeah. are their two biggest issues of the year and 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 they do stuff on social media but it's not a huge presence like wrestling wrestling observer live like you you're getting a podcast kind of every day um and i will say i I highly recommend if you're a huge wrestling fan, you love listening to like podcast content. Uh, that twelve dollars a month is well worth it because there is just a ton of shit that they post, and you also get the observer newsletters, etc. Um, but yeah, PWI is almost the exact opposite. Like I would lean towards <laughs> like PW Torch, for instance, or or Wrestling Observer Live before I'd go for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which is funny because uh, as a kid, I definitely remember the Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazines in the store, and I, I would I would pick them up here and there. And one of the biggest things I remember for that magazine, Dane, is there's a card. There, there's always like in the middle, like an insert with ads, and one of them's like, become a wrestler. And I'm like, yeah. Six-year-old me, and then the next one's like create a wrestler. It's like a weird, almost Magic the Gathering thing <laughs> that you can join, which eventually turned into uh, efeds for yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> so shout out to PWI, but uh, this list but is seriously. This list is you, about to get ridiculous. If you want Kmart, Brian Alvarez, and Mike Cibravizi, just get a hold of me or Chris. Um, God, I guess I'm Brian in that that outcome. Who can our, our Dave Meltzer be? We need someone that has a ridiculous. God, I don't want to be Brian, but I'm the angry one. Ah, shit. <laughs> we're we're more like uh we're more like Brian and Vinny, I guess. If we're going to compare, go. that, that's, a, that, <laughs> yeah. that's a better comparison. Uh, all right, uh, let's let's get back to this. We got a couple more left. Match of the year. This was in my top five, so I can't hate on it. Completely. I just think technically there were better matches. For Baker, Thunder Rosa, St. Patrick's Day uh, slam. Um, This was a bloody mess. This was an unsanctioned match. It was good. I just think Ilya Dragunov, Walter. Uh, Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, You know, uh, Pete Dunne and Finn Balor. Uh, Fuck. I'm trying to think of like Kenny Omega against Brian Danielson, Brian Danielson against Adam Page, Will Ospreay versus Okada, uh, Shingo and Tanahashi. You know, there was a lot of good fucking matches last year. I don't think this was number one. And yeah, I'm going to go to technicality over gimmicks. That's that's kind of going to always be the thing. I thought they told a great story, and I like both of those women a lot, especially Thunder Rosa. She's one of my favorites. Um... But to me, there could have been a better match. But I'm not I, – I don't hate this one as much as some people have expressed online. I haven't seen the percentages or other matches that were available to vote for. You know, that's that's kind of why I, I'm dialing back a little bit on these awards. But uh, it definitely was not the best match of the year. And, it, hey, if you're looking for great matches – Check out last week's episode, or <laughs> was it the week before, I guess, where Dave and I did our <laughs> top five matches. Um, did you, I think you had this one in your top five, didn't you? Yeah, I think it was five. So I, I like yeah. the match. I think it was important. I, but I mean, even the the match, because you knew about the tension between Becky and 
and Charlotte might have been a better match technically than this one. Uh, if we go to a technical standpoint. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, in a world of Takagi's and Okada's and Osprey's and Kenny Omega's. Walter. And Walter's, which Walter got the top spot on my list. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to be like... <laughs> This is de- this was definitely the best match. It may have meant the most for that person's career. Um, so I guess it, it just depends on how they decided to make those matches votable. There's no New Japan people in here, by the way. Nope. Uh, it's literally awards. all who decide Edge, Nick Gage, and their lifetime achievement, which we'll go over the lifetime achievement last. But uh, I think this makes sense. This could have gone... And maybe this is much more, maybe the fans of this are more geared towards AEW than WWE. But once again, this could have been Roman and the uh, the Usos, but the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega get Tag Team of the Year, and Kenny gets Wrestler of the Year. This makes sense. I have no issue with this at all. Uh, which one is this, like, Faction of the Year? Or Tag which, Team what, of the Year. It? Tag Team of the Year going to the Young Bucks, and Wrestler of the Year going to Kenny Omega. I mean, that's like in line with my list. So, yeah, I didn't have any problems with that at all. And their lifetime achievements. Good to see Terry Funk and Ron Simmons. I don't know why the fuck Terry, since he's been wrestling since, what, 1965 or some shit like that. Probably the late 60s more so. But, wow. I mean, PWI, you got to fucking get that guy in there a little bit quicker. (laughs) Great to have Terry Terry Funk and Ron Simmons, um, you know. It's good to have them in there, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I like that Dory Funk got in before Terry. I hope Dory's calling Terry and be like, oh, I made it before you did. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, but if you I, ask that's... Dory right now what a PWI was, you'd have no idea. He'd be like, PWI? Fuck. <laughs> it's, if, if, Terry Funk, I, I feel like he'd be like, is that that magazine with all the naked guys on the front? <laughs> It's creepy. All right. Well, that was PWIs. Their list. Well, that was fun. Let's uh let's move over to a uh, special they had last Saturday. Uh AEW Battle of the Belts on TNT. Their first or I think this is the second time they did this. I'm pretty sure they did Battle of the Belts one time for Dynamite in the past. Uh but you know, this is more of their Smaller pay-per-views they're going to do on TNT every so often. Very similar in style to Clash of Champions, Saturday Night Main Event. So I like this. Um, Now, when it came to this one, you got to have your fucking tag titles and your world title. And I know they gave that to us a couple days previously. We went over that. Um, And I got in an argument with someone because they had all their champions... On AEW, like the next day, they posted this picture with all the champions. And I said, you know, well, why isn't Ricky Starks on here with the FTW title? And someone, you know, obviously brought up the fact that it's not recognized by any company. And I was like, all right, well, that's fine and dandy, but AEW's got to figure out their shit because if they're going to have that at their fucking mini pay per view on Saturday for the Battle of the Belts, it's kind of an established title regardless. So, that was my biggest deal was the fact that 
I thought the match with Rio and Britt Baker was really good. I thought Sammy Guevara and uh, Dustin Rhodes had an excellent match for the uh, interim AEW TNT champion. Um, and I thought Ricky Starks and, uh, and uh, Matt Seidel had a good match, too. But to me, Chris, next time, definitely have the world fucking title on it. Definitely have the tag team champions on there, I would say. Yeah, I agree, and and we went over this last week, so listeners out there, if you want to hear me yell about this fucking show, check out last week's episode. The interim championship specifically I yelled about for a while, um, which ended up being, to me, the best match of the night with with yeah. Sammy and Dustin, but uh, I don't know how Dustin would even be in line for that title. So, I don't know. It was a decent show. There's, I don't have a, a bunch of complaints about it, except for when I think of, like, Clash of the Champions, it's every title, right? And the big ones weren't here. Like, you're talking about, you know, um, Adam Page, who ended up wrestling later that night anyways, because he did, like, AW Dark. Uh, and then the same thing with the tag titles. Like, if the tag titles aren't on there, I... I don't know. The the rest of these titles are kind of an afterthought with the exception of maybe Britt Baker. Which we knew she was going to finally get her win over Rio. It just Rio was outnumbered with uh, Rebel and Jamie Hayter. The more stuff sparked between their feud that seems like just like Wardlow and MJF, Chris, Jamie Hayter and uh, Britt Baker keep on getting further and further. And it seems like Britt Baker is becoming a hater for Jamie Hayter. <laughs> I love Jamie Hader so much. It, it's almost like looking at a different person now, though. So, like, I have to remind myself, oh, that's Jamie Hader, like, in my mind, because I'm used to what she looked like when she first came into AEW and how she looked in stardom with B Priestley, et cetera. It, she, I mean, good for her. Like, she looks great. I'm, it's not anything about her looks or anything, but just, like, if you're used to seeing a char- an on-screen character <laughs> look a certain way and they completely change it's a little baffling. It'd be like if Ultimate Warrior uh, went bald and started looking like Hulk Hogan, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that would uh, that would that would have been awesome, actually. I kind of want to see a Hogan Ultimate Warrior baby child. Sounds uh sounds amazing. By the way, you said Bea Priestley. All of us, and including me, apparently are missing great matches that she's doing right now under her new name in NXT UK with Mako Satomura. So. Uh, there is that, but there's so much wrestling out there. So much wrestling. NXT uh, NXT UK is is like it's, it's hard to. There's good. They always put good matches on there. Every I, I would say at least once a month, but it is one of those things that's kind of just hard to catch up with. And uh, I was so surprised to be a Priestley signed with NXT UK and. I know that I guess she's technically still working dates in Japan, so maybe that was part of it, but. Uh, yeah, kind of a weird signing even when it happened. Sometimes it's like you, you think that like Vince is having a meeting and be like, didn't we have a promotion in UK? And then like Triple H is like, no, 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 we don't have we don't have one. Uh, don't worry about it. There's nothing over there. Just pay attention. Look over here at the lighter. Thanks, Vince. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what they do now. They're starting to shed a bit of that roster, though. Walter's gone, which is good for you know mainstream fans that 
hope that Walter can do good in this new incarnation of NXT or on the main roster, but terrifying at the same time. <laughs> uh, but getting back to this pay-per-view, I thought all three matches were good. I had fun with them. Um, but I think when I got to the Impact pay-per-view Saturday night, that was definitely my destination that I enjoyed. And really, Chris, couldn't believe I enjoyed um more so than pretty much anything that week. I thought that, you know, as we go into it, Hard to Kill was a good pay-per-view. Had an excellent match. Um, it's weird seeing Impact promote the Royal Rumble because of, of, of Mickey James, potentially. And she ended up winning, so she's going into the Royal Rumble as the Impact champion. It was weird hearing that also from Michael Cole or whoever said it when they announced it originally uh, on WWE's product. But the NWA signed wrestler Mickey James retains her title against Deanna Peraza. We'll just go right into the main event. There's a lot of other stuff I want to talk about, but I thought it was an excellent match. Deanna Peraza is a pro. Um, I, I, I liked all of this. I like Tom Phillips now. I forgot what his real name is because it wasn't Tom Phillips, apparently. Um, but I like that he's doing announcing now with D'Lo since they got rid of Matt Stryker. And honestly, in the Ring of Honor championship match with Jonathan Gresham, um, I and Matt, and, uh, uh, fuck, uh, Matt, what? I'm losing his name, Chris. Uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Saban. That's right. Duh. It's got the same name as you. Uh, but it was nice seeing Ian Riccoboni and, and uh, Tom Phillips get to call a match together. I thought them and, and D'Lo were actually smooth like butter. So. Uh, you know, also the Ring of Honor uh, takeover, you know, starting that night. But main event, Mickey James, Deanna Perrazzo fucking killed it to me. It was a great it was a great main event. And uh, Deanna Perrazzo was number two on my top female wrestling list. And after watching that, I'm like, sheesh, maybe should have been number one over Britt Baker, but you could, you could definitely make an argument for both. It's just still baffling that WWE somehow fucked up <laughs> on that one with that release because she's great. And Mickey James killed it, man. It was, it was a great match, and uh, I'm glad Mickey retained. I don't know what the hell they're going to do at Royal Rumble. I'm assuming they might go legend for WrestleMania to have like Lita win or something. So you might see something where it ends up being like Lita and Mickey James. Cause I feel like that would one be all right with impact. If Mickey James ends up losing in that scenario. Um, and, and two, like it sets up a match at WrestleMania we haven't really seen. So something like Lita versus Becky, um, could be interesting, but it's also WWE. So for all I know, Michelle McCool's going to win and then come out with, like, Undertaker fucking gear at WrestleMania. <laughs> she didn't get it from Beyonce. <laughs> that, that picture of Beyonce is the best. That just makes me love Beyonce even more, honestly. There's a lot of darkness. Um, yeah. All right, so let's go over the rest of this card. We'll break down the, the, uh, the more bigger matches. I didn't see the pre-show, so I apologize for everyone that was on that. So we had the inaugural knockouts ultimate X match. And I was very confused on this, Chris, because they do a lot of intergender matches. So I was like, okay, so is the winner going to be going for the X division? But no, I was wrong. I did not know it was for the number one contender for the impact knockouts championship. 
The ladies had a great match. I, to me, it was between three people, and all of them were like the last ones up uh, between Jordan Grace, Chelsea Green, and uh, Tasha Steeles. Um, they like Tasha. They have for a while, ever since Kara Hogan left uh, with their tag team. I think she's really good in the ring. Uh, Chelsea Green, obviously, for, for a lot of reasons, you would think would win, even though I don't think she's officially signed with Impact still. So I don't know if that had something to do with it. And Jordan Grace is she's some type of digital champion now, and she's doing like matches for Impact and other places and shit. And um, I guess, but yeah, Tasha Steele's won. I got to say, Chris, I I know she's been there for a long time and she's married to a very accomplished technical wrestler and now a brawler with Eddie Edwards. But uh, Alicia Edwards was completely out of place in this fucking match. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And I was very surprised on the outcome of this match in general. Um I thought Chelsea, we, since they since they both had their hands on it and they're fighting over it, I thought Chelsea Green's was gonna get it from Tasha Steeles, but Tasha ended up fucking winning. I mean, it's impact. It could have just been on an accident. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> the impact jokes will always be here, guys. Tune in each week to Dane and Chris talking about impact jokes. Um, yeah, no, I I guess I'm all right with it. I just if it was me, it would have been Chelsea Green or Jordan Grace. Like, yep. they're to me they're top tier in that division outside of Diana. And uh, I I guess I should count Mickey James because she's the champion, but she's more of like a legend. So eventually, she I would assume that she's not going to be there full time. Hey, Impact, what the fuck? What about Rosemary? She was in the goddamn match. Why couldn't she have won? She hasn't been the women's champion like a year and a half. <laughs> I know. Why Why do they hit her girl Rosemary so hard? I feel like she's one of the best female wrestlers on the planet, and they just haven't given her a lot. I want her in AEW with Darby and Sting, honestly, at this point. Um, Maybe she'll be the new member of uh, House of Black. House of Black. That'd be way better than what they're teasing, which is... Uh, heart <laughs> with the eye patch i can't do the eye patch dude so don't even get me started shit <sighs> all right let's keep on going fucking eye patches on people i'm so sick of eye patches especially if it doesn't make any goddamn sense at least i believe you know ray quote-unquote got his eye fucking pulled out of his head but now if you get sprayed in the face on both eyes the relief for it is an eye patch on one of them okay whatever <sighs> the 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 real question with that, I guess we'll get into it when we get to get there. But like they also did the same thing with Pac, where he's like got the double medical tape over his eyes. Is he gonna try to wrestle a match with that gimmick? Because <laughs> one, it would it it might be amazing <laughs> to see him wrestle that way. Make him do the. Uh... How about Jake Roberts is the referee for a blindfold match between him and uh, Alistair Black? <laughs> Do the Martel Jake Snake fucking gimmick. I, I like that one of the worst things from WWE has somehow crept into AEW with these losing of eyes. Something that both you and I <laughs> demolished on the show. 
they're like, yeah, now let's bring that over. Let's have people not have eyes in wrestling. So dumb. Well, all right. The next match, Trey Miguel, the Impact X Division champion, went against Steve Macklin, for, formerly Steven Cutler from NXT. Um, and honestly, in this match, for being such a big dude, he's able to uh, do some more high-flying stuff. So he was able to kind of like, I don't know if it was the most graceful. Trey Miguel is someone that you definitely can tell has more finesse. But after watching this match, and it was, I thought it was a good match, 12 minutes, 50 seconds, I thought to myself, you know what? With all the options have opened up, and the fact that Trey is the Impact X Division Championship, I thought he was crazy that he didn't go with the you know members that would be MSK um, to uh, NXT. And uh, I gotta say, I think Trey actually dodged a fucking bullet. So uh, good job, Trey Miguel, and uh, pretty good X Division match with Steve Macklin, Chris. Yeah, it was fine. I just have high expectations for the X Division, so I was uh, I don't understand why Ace Austin hasn't won that belt and has not ran with it. Um, so I mean, the match itself was fine. It's when you talk about X Division, I immediately think of like, you know, uh, your Christopher Daniels, your AJ Styles of the world, and this did not blow my hair back. It was okay though. Um. I, it could have used a little more time, I think, but it is what it is. I think it went like uh like ten minutes or something. It it wasn't as long as I think a title match should be. Yeah. Um, pretty much the same amount of length as the next match. Like I said, Ian Riccaboni joined Tom Phillips and D'Lo Brown for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Uh, it was a pure rules-style match, which is what they're doing with the title now. Uh, they're not doing rounds. They're just doing one basic match, but it has a whole, you know, couple amount of rope breaks. You can go only go off top a certain amount of times trying to stabilize it more as a wrestling match, which I'm pretty sure Gresham over here in Atlanta went against uh, Alexander. If it's not this weekend, which I hope it's on Sunday because that would be bad. Um, maybe it was this last weekend, but they had a match for that title as well. But, um it was Jonathan Gresham against Chris Sabin. I did not realize Chris Sabin's never been the Ring of Honor champion. I thought that might have been something that he uh, picked up. He was the uh, pure champion while he was there, and I believe tag champion. But they had an excellent technical match. Jonathan Gresham ended up winning. He was very, uh, you know, polite, nice, trying to bring off this concept that Ring of Honor is here to show honor which would be the exact opposite, which would happen two matches from now uh, with the invasion. But, uh, yeah, a lot of Ring of Honor stuff, Chris. You had Roxy in the audience, watched re- ready for the main event to find out, you know, if Deanna would have both belts for their match. Uh, this last week, you had Jonathan Gresham, and then you had the invasion, which we'll go over. But I thought it was an excellent match by Chris Sabin and Jonathan Gresham. And... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm liking this Ring of Honor presence and impact. It's very weird, but fitting. I thought this was match of the night. And Chris Sabin and Jonathan Gresham, they're both uh, great athletes. They did this, like you said, the same, almost the same amount of time as uh, the Trey Miguel match. But this was a fucking really good match. I like Jonathan Gresham a lot. I hope that they continue to use him in impact at least until they figure out whatever the hell's going on with Ring of Honor, because 
I want to see more of that guy. And I, I thought this was a really good match. But uh, that being said, I'm a huge Motor City Machine Guns fan. So I'm always going to root for Chris Saban. Uh, and, and when you kind of brought that up, it made me realize there was not a tag title match on this card for either the women's or the male tag division. Are they still doing the knockout tag division? Is that still a thing? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's right. The Iconics have them. I don't think they wrestle with them, though. Yeah. Um, like, because I don't watch, I, I usually tune in for their pay-per-views with Impact, and, and if there's a really good match, uh, I would tune in more if they get the Motor City Machine Guns back together. Uh, but <laughs> this was my favorite match of the card, which I watched at 6 a.m. this morning after talking to you last night. So it's a little bit of a blur, but I do remember me liking this match quite a bit. And then uh, that leads into this 10-man hardcore war, which I thought Eddie Edwards looked great in and Willie Mack looked great in. And then it was just like kind of a clusterfuck of other stuff to just do to me an invasion angle. Maybe, well, well not even really an invasion. You're missing one match before we get to that, so let's go over it. Josh Alexander had a really good match with Jonah Rock. Um, what the fuck was Jonah Rock's NXT name? Samoan Bam Bam Bigelow? I don't remember what the fuck they were calling him. <laughs> J-Rock? <laughs> no, it was... Um, oh, Bron- Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed, thank you. Yeah, sorry. great match between the two of them. Bronson Reed, I mean, he really does remind me of Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, just really agile for his size. I'm glad that he's becoming a big member of this new group, this new wave uh, in Impact. And Josh Alexander proving, after defeating him in a 17-minute match, that he is one of the top wrestlers in that company. Yeah, I, I like Josh Alexander a lot, but I, I must have like went to eat a muffin or something during this match because I don't rem- I can't remember a single thing from from it, honestly. So oh, that's good. That's more on me. That's more on me than the actual match. I'm sure it was a good match, but uh, I like I like Josh Alexander quite a bit. I like that he's always repping the uh, Rick Steiner headgear, amateur mm-hmm. wrestling headgear. Baby and Kurt Angle, if you will. All right, 10-man hardcore war, like you were saying. Uh, Eddie Edwards, Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Heath, and Rhino uh, defeated the Good Brothers and Violent by Design, Eric Young, Diener, and Joe Doring. And basically, so this was war games without a cage and hardcore stuff. Um, like Chris said, I thought Eddie Edwards always stands out to me. Rich Swan had some good spots. Uh, Willie Mack was great. Uh, I love Joe Doring. There's a lot of goodness, but it was a fucking clusterfuck. And it was almost 30 minutes long. So after the whole wait, you don't have the War Games cage. There's no cage. So even though it's cool that's a giant hardcore brawl thing, you can't keep up with shit. So I had no idea what the fuck happened. I think that it was all about the invasion that we'll talk about that happened right afterwards once the heels left. But uh, as for the match... I, I thought it was fine, Chris. That's what I would say. I, I'm actually getting a little bit of hardcore match fatigue here recently where 
like like we especially when it's not Nick Gage cutting something with a pizza cutter at some point you've seen these guys get hit with chairs so it's like all right well that's fine um also the good brothers I'm there I also have good brothers fatigue in general that's a tag team that should have never left Japan yeah I kind of agree with you on that and honestly New Japan at this point could really use some tag teams yeah, I, I do love the name Violent by Design. I love Eric Young. Um, Joe Doring should be a singles wrestler. I just yep. think he has a good look, and he's fucking really good in the ring, and maybe should get out of this group and, and utilize that guy to his talents. Uh, but yeah, this match was just kind of there. Like I said, there was good shit from Edwards, Swan, and Willie Mack. Uh, I don't really remember any cool spots with Heath and Rhino. I'm sure they were there, but nothing, I mean, nothing we've never seen before. Uh, it's okay. If you like hardcore wrestling, this is probably the match for you on the show, I guess. I'm just, like I said, I, I kind of have a fatigue for it. Completely agree with you. Um, I'm just kind of getting a little bit, I don't know. I, and I, and I, this I, is, it's not, it's not really an impact for all. It's not like impacts like here's seven. Well, they do do that, but it's, it's every company are doing like no DQ matches or it's, it, it's even to the point where it transferred over to new Japan. And I have like evil, <laughs> evil in a hardcore match on wrestle kingdom. Uh, I have a little bit of fatigue this. Up fucking ladder to take out Kenta. Yep. Which apparently that was, that was Tanahashi wanted to do that because he wanted to pay tribute to Shawn Michaels. Did you hear that? I did not, but I love Tanahashi. So if he if he said that and that's what he wanted to do, Tanahashi could have a one star match. And if it's because Tanahashi wanted to have a one star match, I'm okay with it. <laughs> no shit, man. I <laughs> um, all right. So then we had our last two matches, the two championship matches. Moose, Matt Cardona, uh, W. Morrissey, 60-minute match. It was a good three-way match, but the thing is, like me and Chris say, if it's not elimination, three-way matches can come really sequenced, and you have two guys that are fucking enormous in this, but they were able to pull it off. W. Morrissey, man, I mean, he's a big fucking dude, but he's he's got a hell of a lot better in the ring. Um, and Moose ended up winning. And uh, makes sense, honestly. Just keep on running with him as champ, I would say. Uh, I think it's going to be a singles match between him and Cardona, I'm assuming, next pay-per-view. Unless Cardona's focusing more on the NWA, which I think he's in five different fucking places at once. He's a Slash. If you guys ever saw the Wunder Slash episode of South Park. If not, check it out. <laughs> now we're doing the Jim Cornette gimmick where we can make one South Park reference. <laughs> Each that goes day. over. Well, at least it doesn't go over your head like it does Brian last. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I I like this match just okay. It's just we just because we were coming off that WWE Day One pay per view with big men slapping meat. I mean, this was a big men slapping meat match. <laughs> it was not as good as that five way. It was fine. I like that Moose retained, and that hopefully he'll carry that title for a while and. Uh, I, I like Morsi a lot since he's been an impact. I, I think he's way better now than he was when he was in WWE, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I, I want Moose to carry that title for like the next a bazillion days. So <laughs> uh, I don't know what that means for the rest of the heavyweight division, but Moose is uh, probably 
as far as an overall package, I think Impact's best wrestler at the moment. I think Moose needs to start saying he's going to beat Bruno's record just to be that heelish about it. That's another guy that gets some heel points. He's definitely cool still. He's got a little bit of that 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 rock heel babyface swagger, if you will, that the audience still likes him, but I just love his cockiness. I think it's great. We need to call Jomo and see if he ever figured out who shit in Moose's boot yeah, <laughs> overseas. <laughs> if you guys, listeners out there, if you want you want to hear something cool, we did a uh, interview with John Morrison. He talked about someone shitting in Moose's boot. So it's go check that, that out. Right before he went to WWE. So we got to talk to him right before that whole thing happened. But uh, yeah, great, great interview from the past with me and uh, Chris. Just look up. Wrestling Geeks Alliance, John Morrison on Google, you'll find it. But uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, man, I was thinking about John Morrison and Impact, which makes sense. But, you know, everyone talks about AEW's filling up. Uh, Impact's starting to fucking fill up, man. <laughs> they're, they're start, and they have interactions with everyone. So it's like, that's another Not- one. They're like max capacity now. Yeah, I mean, if you're bringing in Morrison versus Moose or something, that that would make sense. But uh, you're not wrong because Impact has way less TV than even or TV in YouTube in comparison to like an AEW. Right. Uh, I kind of want I would love to see Morrison have like a really big G1 run in Japan. I think that would be really cool. Uh, New Japan Strong, him and Filthy Tom, I think could have some really good matches. That'd be that'd be pretty sick. Uh, Rin Narita versus John Morrison, and also like AAA, like he's such a good heel when he's in Mexico. That that could also be fun. So there's tons of shit he could do. I'm just still surprised he ended up signing that WWE contract versus the AEW contract he was offered while doing being the elite and all that stuff. It's uh, so I wonder if that's going to leave a bad taste in Tony Khan's mouth. It could might, might give him halitosis. Anyways, that was a terrible joke. We already talked about the Texas death match for the impact uh, knockouts championship, Mickey James, Deanna Perrazzo. Um, they both gigged themselves in the match. And I feel like they barely touched themselves because they were, like, bleeding in, like, one teeny little area. But, you know, whatever. Like you said, I'm kind of getting hardcore wrestling fatigue. But this was still a good match by these ladies. I think they're still going to have another match. And, uh, yeah. Oh, we forgot. Damn it. I I was excited about going over the invasion angle. I'm about to fucking glance the hell over it. So after the 10-man hardcore war, uh, like I said, the heels leave. Babies' faces are left beaten up from them. Uh, and who would appear but Matt Taven, uh, Mike Bennett, Maria Canellis Bennett, PCO, and Vincent. So when this first happened, I was like, okay, so we're going to pretend that whatever happened with – because Mike and, and, and Matt have become baby faces as a tag team. And Matt had one hell of a war with Vincent previously before that, but I thought they were just going to introduce them as the kingdom. Like, kingdom's now here in Impact. Whatever reason, you know, Matt Taven and Vincent got over their fucking shit because those three members and Adam Cole were the kingdom in Ring of Honor uh, previous before this. 
And then it's just like, you know, mentioned that this is Ring of Honor taking over. PCO comes out and you're like, what? And he's destroying motherfuckers and jumping on top of them outside and shit. And everyone's just beating down Impact. And Tom and D'Lo basically make it look like Ring of Honor or at least some rogue gallery. I think they're calling him the, the something five. But they're here to take down Impact and put up their Ring of Honor flag. So I'm assuming we're going to see maybe more people in the mix. I don't know. We also have, like I said, the women's champion. She was sitting in audience for the main event to find out what happened with it. And we also had, like I said, Jonathan Gresham on the card. Uh, Ian Riccoboni uh, was also there. So it's, like I said, we have this thing happening. Were you intrigued by this at all, Chris? Especially with PCO being a part of this group. As a big PCO fan, I was really into this, but these aren't the kind of Ring of Honor. Uh, to be, that's not the top card of Ring of Honor. You'd be looking at them boys or, to me, like Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. Like, uh, as far as, like, making an impact <laughs> on your wrestling but company. But P- PCO is great. I, I love him. And then I like this invasion angle because it could lead to more. So you could see, like, you know, the Briscoes or a hell. What's can they can Jay Lethal wrestle there? Are they let Christian do it? Uh, they're not, yeah. like, what is yeah, like they, you could do some cool shit with it. So I'm gonna give them time to let that flesh out, you know. Um, not necessarily the guys I would have picked to do an invasion, but with it's the not as bad as you know. uh, <laughs> it's not as bad as yeah, people they picked for the WCW invasion, though, right. You're right on that. I'm trying to remember who all was in the WCW invasion. It was Chuck like Bumbo. <laughs> uh, that's where I start. So that's. that's I, I feel bad because Chuck Palumbo is such a nice guy. He runs like a car restoration business now. He just seems like such a good guy, but he is the first name that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know the one, shout out. They they should have just waited, man. They should have just waited, but we've all said that. Especially since it was right before WrestleMania, and they absolutely did nothing with the angle and had them chilling in the fucking suite with 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 uh, Shane O'Mac. Uh, God damn it! So that's that's another talk for another day. With this invasion, though, Chris, I'm excited because there is potential for this to get larger. There are people out there that can kind of add to it. What if we find out Jonathan Gresham, after pretending to be this this nice baby face, he's actually, the octopus is actually in control of it. And we get Ring of Honor versus Impact Champion. You know, stuff built out of this because there are more options, even though this is nowhere near, near the scale of the WWE, WCW invasion angle. They do have more options to be able to make it Ring, Ring of Honor and, and Impact alum. There's so many on there. What if Samoa Joe comes in and just kills everyone? And just grabs both titles, you know, with his eyes popping out of his fucking head. That'd be awesome if there's like this big brawl, big brawl, and Samoa Joe's music hits, and he starts coming down. They're like, "Yeah, but whose side is he on, Bobby Heenan style?" I'd be down for that. You hear Austin's music for some reason. That's giving people stars. Whose whose side is he on? It's Hulk Hogan. You're like he should be on Sting's side. I feel like you're giving us a spoiler there, Bobby. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Eric Bischoff punched himself in the face when that happened. It still worked out fine though. 
yeah, it, it turns out that Hulk Hogan was a great heel. <laughs> but <laughs> if you're watched, if you ever watch that, Bobby Heenan, if you're, I can't imagine watching that live, Bobby, Bobby Heenan being like, yeah, but whose side is he on? You're like, oh, that, there's a turn that's happening. That's <laughs> like, that's like if someone walked into uh, the theater with the Titanic and it was like, he freezes to death, and also the boat sinks. They just leave. <laughs> Kind of the same, same level. Did I ever tell you what I did to the uh, Matrix fans after I saw Matrix Two years ago? <laughs> no, but I'm I'm down for this story. Uh, so we had to go kind of early Saturday, me and my buddy Tim, because it was that sold out. Remember, you know, Matrix Two was very very fucking popular, even though wasn't the biggest fan of that one. Really did not like the third one. Love the first one. Haven't seen the one that just came out. Either way, so I get out of the thing, and if people remember the plot of the story, if you haven't seen The Matrix, sorry, spoiler warning. I don't know what the fuck to tell you. It's been out for a fucking minute now, like 20 years. Um, but we get out of the theater, and I said to my buddy Tim, and there's people, I, I feel bad about this. If you were there somehow and you're listening to this, I apologize. Get out of Mall Georgia IMAX Theater. And I look at Tim and I said, I can't believe Trinity died. And you heard this huge gasp by all these trench coat wearing motherfuckers ready to go into their favorite Matrix movie. And technically she does die, but she comes back. So really wasn't too big of a deal since they happen pretty much back to back in the movie. Uh, but I'm a dick. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dick. I'm addicted to being a dick, Chris, sometimes. Or at least I used to. And cut myself. Well, don't don't. <laughs> Don't don't feel bad on that because I only like one Matrix movie and it, that's the Matrix. I would have been good if that was the end of that series. It is um, series. The uh, it also is weird now that they put on a new movie and I can only see Keanu Reeves as John Wick. <laughs> so that to me is like a maybe that's more of a personal thing, but I had no interest in this uh, new film that came out and I've actually heard that it was pretty bad. I haven't seen it. I just saw a bunch of comments of like, just go see Spider-Man instead. <laughs> That's, um, but uh, one more f- a funny story kind of movie thing. We went to go see the Notorious B.I.G. movie. And uh, my good friend was like, I need to go smoke. And it was the very end of the movie. <laughs> it was like, don't you want to see what's happening? He's like, he gets shot. I already know what happened. <laughs> he just fucking leaves. <laughs> <laughs> he's like i already saw all the stuff i wanted to see <laughs> he just left so uh i've definitely been in that situation i'm also the guy that walked out on dune i thought that was a terrible movie so get at me on twitter <laughs> damn come at him and he's not even talking about the david lynch one um show what i got no okay i'm not gonna do that it's gonna turn into fuck <laughs> I actually, I actually think I like that one better than the new Dune, so definitely get get at me on Twitter. Oh, they're going to go after you. All right, uh, so did you have any last comments about the main event between Mickey and uh, Deanna? Mickey's now going to be going into the Royal Rumble as the Impact Champion. I kind of hope that she wears the belt. I don't expect it, though. Um, and then Deanna Perrazzo from this, her and Roxy had their match this last Thursday for the main event. I thought it was an excellent, very technical match. I told Chris, Roxy really impresses me because she's only 20 years old. Deanna Prazo is in her, I think, late 20s. 
They had, a, you know, really good chemistry for not working with each other previously before that. And Deanna Perrazzo is now a double champion once again. She still wants her fucking knockouts championship back for Mickey, but she is the Ring of Honor women's champion and the Lena Del Rey AAA women's champion. So uh, how'd you like this match? And any anything about the follow-up match with her and Roxy, with Deanna now being, you know, uh, Donnie two belts. Sorry, I'll work. So on I, it. I, I didn't get a chance to see that follow up match, but you said it was pretty good, so I'll definitely check it out after the show. As far as uh, Mickey James goes, I wouldn't have done this if they sent me my shit in a trash bag. But like, I don't know what that payday looks like, and there is some cool booking scenarios you could do in the Royal Rumble. Like, I would personally. If you're going to go very Legends heavy, which is what they're doing, maybe have Lita win and set up like the WrestleMania match against like Lita versus Becky, I think would be a really good match. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I- I'm assuming that you're going to get like maybe if you're Mickey James, they have to have an idea for what you're going to do. Right. So. She might be one of the last four. So if you get like Lita, Mickey James, and then Sasha, well, Sasha's out. She's not going to make Rumble. Uh, nope. Maybe Bailey and Asuka. And somehow yeah. Lita wins. I think that would be really cool. There's definitely cool stuff they could do with it. Um, I, I don't know. I wonder what that paycheck looked like. <laughs> you have to come with your balls in your hand to be like, hey, uh, <laughs> I know we just fired you, Mickey James, but like we got 17 people on our roster and we have a 30 women Royal Rumble. Oh, God. So true, though. (sighs) But yeah, good stuff. Gianna Prazo, double champion, Mickey James, impact champion. I'm sure, like I said, they're going to have another match in their future. Who knows? Maybe Mickey will be draped in all gold and go, go back to the NWA and take that fucking champion from Camille. We don't know, but Impact is definitely going to my intrigue. I uh, It's like now Tuesday is becoming the day that I don't watch wrestling, and Thursdays might replace that. So uh, that's crazy. Craziness. I can't believe that, Chris, that I am now starting to want to watch Impact full-time and stop watching NXT pretty much completely besides their pay-per-views. What's really funny is that was a, a thing for me with SmackDown. When SmackDown was on Sci-Fi, and Impact was a really good show. Um, with yeah. like Kurt Angle, Jeff Jarrett. It, it was kind of that of which one am I going to watch. Now I just watch all of it because I'm old and I don't go anywhere. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I don't think you're crazy. I mean, NXT has been pretty bad. To like, like I said, late 90s, Saturday night, Sunday night type of show. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, all right. So I'm trying to think, like, is there anything from Raw that's worth noting? I would, I guess the tag team championship change. Chad Gable and Otis ended up beating, you know, because he wouldn't shut the fuck up. He wouldn't listen to Randy, Matt Riddle, or just Riddle, formerly known as Matt Riddle. (laughs) uh, Fucked up. Yeah, just RK bro. RK bro in general, like Randy writing fucking 
tag Randy in on on Riddle's hands was pretty hilarious. That was fucking funny as shit. Well, I guess this is going towards the ending of them. And, you know, I said it, and I know some people probably were turned out by this concept. I'm happy for Chad and Otis. Otis has never won gold, period. Now, he did win the TLC, but, you know, look how that went. Um, but, you know, this is first tag team run, and Chad Gable hasn't been the champion with fuck. How long has Jason Jordan been out? So that's probably like 2017, 2016. So, hey. You know, they're a tag team. I really, I, I will always have a lot of respect for Chad Gable. There's a reason I hope that he heard uh, Rick Flair's brought it up like twice about how underutilized he is. And uh, me and Chris have talked about it for a long time. So, hey, they're they're an actual tag team. They've been together for a while. They're kind of makeshift, but it's probably going to be them versus, I'm assuming, um, uh, the Street Profits at Mania, which would be a really good match. So I have no problem with the title change. And this now will get us to Randy Orton, hopefully beating the crap out of Matt Riddle. And I feel the thing about that is, though, Chris, are people going to cheer for Randy Orton because Riddle's such a fucking idiot? Or are they still going to love him? He has the unfortunate situation of going against Randy Orton, where even when Randy Orton's a heel, people still cheer for him. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. That's that's an interesting question of who they're going to cheer for. Yeah, I don't know. And Dewdrop, she beat uh, Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair because of bullshit with Becky and is now going to be going against Becky. Yeah. I really like mm. Piper Niffin. I hate how they've booked her. It makes no sense. She'd lost a million matches, was thrown into this because she demanded it. Uh, why? So, okay, I guess we're, we're saving Bianca and Becky for fucking Mania, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. I feel like whoever wins the Rumble is probably going to be the opponent for Becky, but uh, we have the WrestleMania Elimination Chamber before then, Dane, so maybe that's where you're going to get the Bianca match. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, I do want to say American Alpha as a tag team is one of like the most underrated tag teams of all time. They were great. They should have never broke them up. And if you were going to break them up to do a Kurt Angle storyline, Definitely should have been Chad Gable, which we talked about at the time it was happening. But I just need to reiterate that. Yep, I agree. And that was pretty much raw. Yeah. Um. So let's move on. We got a couple was, more things. Was Kevin about. Owens? Was Kevin Owens on Raw at all? Yeah, he had a match, I believe, with Bobby Lashley. That Bobby ended up winning, and uh, someone else. Maybe it was Seth Rollins. Maybe it was Big E. Oh, maybe we should talk about the talking of uh, Brock Lesnar at the beginning of it. Uh, with Bobby Lashley and MVP in the ring, all nice and suited up. You know, the, Bobby Lashley cutting a promo, Brock Lesnar coming out with Paul Heyman. And getting down to it, Bobby Lashley was like, why you've been avoiding me for so long? And Brock's like, I haven't even thought about you. <laughs> He's like, you've not been in my mind at all. He's like, you're kind of like a Brock Lesnar, I guess. You do the whole MMA thing, but he completely <laughs> demoted. And I'm glad that they saved the, some more stuff for MVP and Paul Heyman going forward because it was more about Bobby and, and Brock. But Bobby Lashley, he's pissed, man. And uh, Brock kind of spinning some trips a little bit. Yeah, 
Yeah, Bobby Lashley shouldn't be on the mic in general unless it's just like a one-line thing. Uh, Brock demolished him in this promo. This version of Brock is the best Brock Lesnar we've ever had, and I love Brock. But this is this version of Brock. He's like, what? What was that company you worked for? Like Bellator or something? I was the UFC heavyweight champion. <laughs> Fuck off. Basically. Oh, uh, man, I can't wait for this match. They're doing a great job of building this match. And, and like, I know it's something that the fans have wanted for a long time. I was kind of just like, I don't know. But with the way they've booked Brock Lesnar matches, this Bobby Lashley-Brock Lesnar match should be incredible. Like, it'll be really good, especially if they let Paul book it and do, like, his... Uh, the way he books Brock matches should be a really good yeah. fucking match. I'm excited for it. And also excited for MVP versus Paul. So that was raw. I think that was all the big talking points. Let's move over to Wednesday night. Uh, and we, we had a nice little show of AW dynamite. I got to admit, Chris, Especially with the angle with Sheeta and Deeb and Deeb just extending this. Apparently, from what I hear, Sheeta's taking, um, she's going back over to Japan for a little while. So that's why she lost this match, but they'll resume the feud. Because she attacked her fucking before the match even started. And just destroyed her leg and got a submission, basically got a pretty easy win. But this, this in general, I like the Sammy Guevara-Garcia match. I I personally like the CM Punk Wardlow match, but you know we talked about the week before how the first hour of Impact or Impact of Dynamite was really really good, and then it kind of started falling a bit. I thought this one was on a decent line throughout the whole entire night, if that makes sense. Like nothing jumped out crazy. But nothing really sucked too bad either, you know. Kind of uneventful. It was a, it was a yeah. That's a good way to put it. It's uneventful and it's setting up a bunch of other matches that I'm excited about. So I didn't hate it, but like also if if you skipped this episode of Dynamite, you didn't really miss a whole lot. Um, unless you like seeing CM Punk get power bombed, then you missed a whole lot because that was pretty fucking great. Uh, yeah, like I texted you during it and I was like, is it just me or is this just a very boring episode? Like nothing is very bad about it, but it's just kind of a nothing happening. Meandering. The story. Yeah. Let's move the storylines along kind of episode. And I agreed with the sting you. and dart. The sting and Darby stuff was to me was a bit weird, but we'll get there. How about that rap video from the acclaim? <laughs> oh god. I actually really like those guys. Um so we start off we got basically <laughs> the undisputed era coming out doing their thing that we saw them do in NXT for so long and they're talking and then the Bucks come out uh with Brandon Cutler and they're all like kind of like what the fuck um you know and there's a lot of back and forth that O'Reilly and Fish have with Matt and Nick, them claiming they're going to be the ones to get those belts soon, and Matt and Nick don't like that. 
But Adam Cole gets them all together, and they start talking crap about Orange Cassidy. And then their group comes out, led by Orange Cassidy, who's new, doing this new, like, I hate Adam Cole thing so much, so I'm going to finally be kind of intense for the level of intensity that Orange Cassidy could possibly give us. But him, Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta, Wheeler Yuta, all hit the ring. Uh, you know, all of them are beating the crap out of each other after Orange Cassidy punches uh, Adam Cole when Adam Cole's giving him some shit. Uh, and Chris Statlander comes to confront Adam Cole. Britt Baker, for the first time, really acknowledging their relationship together, the two of them, uh, gets in the ring, starts beating up Chris Statlander. This is leading to the match uh, between Trent and Adam Cole. That was last night on Rampage. But uh, basically laid out all the baby faces. And then, you know, the Young Bucks go to do their little kissy thing and, you know, just to break their hearts, Britt Baker gets in the way and plants one right on Adam Cole. And that's how we start off the show. I like the opening. Um, the setup stuff, it was nothing too crazy. Um, like I said, I can't wait until we get past and we have Adam Cole with Redragon without the Bucks because I, I feel like that's coming. Um, and I like actually an interaction with Cole. And Britt Baker, the only thing that's missing is the fact that Adam Cole probably needs, I would say, the TNT belt sometime soon in the future. He needs his own gold. Uh, but, yeah, I like this stuff. If you're an Adam Cole fan, I think this was a good start for that reason. Isn't it crazy to think that they used Britt Baker to try to get Adam Cole more over? <laughs> Ugh, that's true. Uh, I, Have the I would have saved... I would have saved this because you're still going to do the inner turmoil between these two groups. I would have saved the Britt Baker moment for way down the line uh, where he wins a title or something. And she comes out because I feel like Adam Cole's going to end up being the baby face in this scenario. Could be completely wrong, but I, I would have saved this. I would not have thrown like, Oh, this is their first interaction together on a random episode of dynamite that wasn't that good to begin with. And also I love the young bucks, but like Jesus Christ, I can't. The best part about this was the land in and everyone calling Brandon color by the wrong name. That, that is a funny gimmick that they're doing with him on the camera. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. Orange Cassidy looked intense. I look forward to him in a match against Adam Cole because that'll be a really good fucking match. It'll pr it'll probably blow people's minds. It could depending on if they're gonna give you like a really good Brian Danielson match on that pay-per-view, like Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy could be a surprise best match of the night. And and that's like a lot of Orange Cassidy matches because he's really fucking good in the ring. I mean it, it gets overlapped by his uh gimmick to some extent, but this more intense version of Orange Cassidy is great and uh him versus adam cole that'll be a hell of a match uh, there'll they will be a lot of spots in that match dane a lot of them <laughs> absolutely but i think they'll pull them off i think flawlessly and anything that you know orange cassidy might not be at the same level that adam cole is like um uh whatchamacallit uh storytelling wise I, I, for some reason i'm losing my Psychology-wise, he'll be able to help and elevate so they both have a great match. Period. Um, how it's many? So, it's so it's 
it's so hard to tell like where Orange Cassidy is with entering psychology because you get these great like Jericho matches where he has to flip his character in the middle of the match because it's part of the gimmick. Um, but like Orange Cassidy's not going to be able to change that character at this point, right? Like he's going to be stuck. I, I feel like he's a better wrestler than people actually think. It's just that gimmick is so fucking good and and, and the world loves it so much that now it's like you're you're stuck with it for forever <laughs> kind of kind of thing just like crow sting <laughs> i guess um but yeah yeah definitely it's it's definitely um it's definitely a really a gimmick that stands out and that's what you're supposed to do it's just like you said the trying to get around it, it's going to be hard now that you've already applied it uh, speaking about a gimmick that just works, how about a giant man that just fucking powerbombs someone a million goddamn times? CM Punk and Wardlow, they had their match, and there was a lot of issues with this match, Chris, to people. Uh, basically, Punk got a little bit of offense at the beginning, and then Wardlow was just destroying him. And gave him a couple power bombs. he was going to finish it off. MJF, wanting to take advantage over CM Punk, keeps on ordering Wardlow to do more power bombs, And at one part, makes him do it through a table outside, brings him back. In, well, no, no, no. He doesn't bring him back inside. There's 10 seconds. Punk barely gets in for the last one. You know, Wardlow wants to end this. He's getting pissed off with, uh, you know, MJF ordering him to do shit. You can just tell that his blood's boiling. And finally, when he goes for a power bomb, they do the... Uh, I think it was at SummerSlam. Might have been at Mania, but Brett getting the roll-up win real quick on Kevin Nash, who was, I believe, in their match, was just overdoing it. Like he wanted to destroy Brett, and then Brett rolled him up. Poof. Same thing Punk does. Uh, Wardlow is just baffled, pissed off. You know, Punk is on the floor, a bunch of medical people around him, uh, and MJF is just digging into Wardlow, just fucking letting him have it. And right when they get outside, they pass CM Punk's carcass and they're going up the ramp. You know, MJF is just point or just taking his finger and just jamming it into the chest of Wardlow, yelling at him. And finally, Wardlow's had enough and grabs his finger and pulls it into the back of his arm. Sean Spears comes out, tries to resolve it, and Wardlow stomps off. So we're finally getting to this. But I liked all of this. Um, and Wardlow, speaking about the Kevin Nash ending, I, I guess he watched Kevin Nash on how he does power bombs because he's very, very fucking safe. To the point where, you know, he's doing a bunch of them, so it made sense, but to the point where it kind of looks like it's not as violent as it should be. Like if you watch a Psycho Sid fucking power bomb or a Vader power bomb, it's a very different power bomb than a Kevin Nash one. But they like glide them off their body. But uh uh just Good stuff all around. I didn't have a problem with the ending. I thought this made Wardlow look good, even in defeat. Uh, he already has lost anyway, so what the fuck does that matter? You know, especially if it's a CM Punk. CM Punk barely survived, had to get a roll-up to get a win, and MJF is just being the conductor, getting the whole orchestra into the thing. So I, I and now we're getting Wardlow and MJF with more tension. And I'm assuming Wardlow's going to accidentally or maybe purposely cause the match with MJF and CM Punk. But I could be wrong. It just seems like that's the direction they're going. What did you think about this, Chris? 
I think when he put Wardlow through the or Wardlow put CM Punk through that table, we had a, a distinct lack of uh, that man's got a family. Damn it! Uh, <laughs> Jesus! Uh, shout out to CM Punk for taking these power bombs because <laughs> basically Wardlow didn't really have to take any bumps in this match, really. And uh, I like it. I like the storyline between him and MJF. I wish they would have gotten there sooner. Um, I like what they're doing with Sean Spears, which sounds kind of crazy, but being kind of a buffer between him and MJF is interesting. It's different than where I thought the storyline was going six or six or seven months ago. Uh, so it does add an extra element to that. And uh, I don't know. Have you ever had anyone poke their finger in your chest like that? Because I swear to God, I I probably would just swing, even if it was supposed to be a work. Like I I don't. It, that's such a wrestling thing. Does that happen in real life where people get up and they just start poking their finger? I've never had this happen to me. And I'm not saying I'm a tough guy or anything, but that that probably would trigger me, Dane. Oh, that would really piss me off. Hey, so do you think that CM Punk would say that he'd rather take um, five? Power bombs from Wardlow than one power bomb from Ryback. <laughs> Probably, I would say so. And like you said, Wardlow did like do his best to make sure that he landed at the perfect. Like, I guess if you're, I mean, that's the weird thing about Ryback is like you're working with CM Punk, and obviously you can lift a house when you look like Ryback, right? <laughs> How how do you fuck up? Like, all you have to do is just drop him flat. That's all he's asking for. It's like taking a back body drop, right? From a power bam. All you have to do is not fuck the guy up. (laughs) Like, dropping him. Wardlow set him down very carefully. I will give him uh, props on the intensity through the table because he sent that one. Um, but it also broke Punk's fall because there was a table there. And they uh, they went through the table. That's a big thing that I'm very impressed with now, Dane, because so many people just fucking slide and bounce off tables oh. now. <laughs> Randy Orton's the king of it. He has the worst luck with tables. <laughs> All right. Um, next match, Dante Martin, Powerhouse Hobbs. This has definitely been building for a while. I don't know. Okay, so let's give a, uh, a Leo Rush update. He was wrestling. He was a part of this. Him and Dante had a split. Dante left to go to Taz's group. They were fighting in a battle royal together, and then Dante screwed over Taz, but we didn't ever have them resolve anything. And then Leo Rush's been off. He got pissed off at Tony for the, uh, the uh, big swole comments and then said that he loved Tony and that everything's great, and blah, 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 two days later. And now Jay Lethal has been put in his place to help Dante Martin. That's what I got out of this. I thought it was a good match. Both guys were great. I didn't want to see Hobbs get a loss, so I don't know why it was booked, honestly. And I'm really curious about, basically, Dante Martin needs his brother back. And I think it's kind of lazy that it's like, all right, we'll, we'll put him with Leo Rush. Okay, well, he's gone, so we'll we'll do the other black wrestler, so we'll get Jay Lethal. Like, at least Jay Lethal was <laughs> So on- you're saying they – they went full Vince McMahon. Let's put the brothers together. Basically. <laughs> Which has been an ongoing joke about WWE for forever, but they totally, they totally did do that, didn't they? Yeah, I, I really do. I, 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 That's what I think. It's just like, 
I mean, like I said, Chris, I can't be mad because Jay Lethal was on television. I love oh uh, Sunny Kiss. I think Sunny Kiss is great, and I actually miss Sunny Kiss. I think you know he's a very very talented wrestler. Um, but when I saw that. Jay Lethal was tagging with Sonny on the fucking YouTube show that I randomly put on for the hell of it on my cell phone to see what the matches were. I was like, what the hell? So I guess I shouldn't complain because Jay's now on the main show. I just like many Ric Flair, Jim Cornette, a lot of people that evaluate this stuff week to week. That has definitely been a main concern is the fact that Jay Lethal's kind of just been in the back. So I guess they're doing something with them now. If we get, like, you know, Jay Lethal going against Powerhouse Hobbs, good. But if you put those guys together, Chris, I don't want either of them losing. And You know, Jay, Jay's already lost his first match. He lost the Battle Royal. Powerhouse Hobbs keeps on losing, even though he looks like a million fucking bucks. Him and Ricky, maybe that could be better. But winning the FTW championship, I guess Jay could do that. You know, um, that's interesting, I guess. He'd probably bring a little bit more prestige to it, but... I don't know. What do you think is going on with Jay Lethal? Why is he involved in this? And how did you like the match between Dante Martin and uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, where Martin got the win over him? So I was actually kind of sad because when you told me the tag team of Jay Lethal and Sony Kiss, I was like, that's an awesome tag team in ring. And it's kind of a weird element between those two people. They could do something really cool with it. And then he shows up and saves Dante Martin. And I'm like, all right, well, that, okay. Uh, with the Leo Rush stuff, even before he got signed by AEW, it was like, I really don't care where he gets signed because this guy tries to commit career suicide wherever he goes. It seems like he just, I I don't know. It's like, uh, he had that great tag match with Dante Martin. He did some things in that ring that I've never seen before. That was absolutely incredible. The speed of which he hits the ropes. Like he is a great wrestler, but we're on the mic too. But he he finds a way to just screw himself over. And this is not on him. Like if you're if you were upset by uh, the Tony Khan comments, I get it. Like, that's fine. You you have a reason to be upset. Um, it's probably more OK if you didn't burn bridges with every other company you worked in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, uh, he's he's kind of a shit stirrer wherever he goes, and he has that reputation. And I think even when he got signed by AEW, if you go back and listen to that show where he, he got signed by AEW, it was like, a, well, how long will he actually be there, and what are they going to do with him? And is, is he in a contest with Kylie Ray to see who can retire the most in their careers? And <laughs> that's a joke, and I understand both of them have, especially Kylie Ray has really bad, you know, mental uh, depression, anxiety issues, and I definitely. I feel for her, but I mean, my God, both of them have, it's like they've left every fucking company and then come back. But at the same point, you work a job every day, right? And like you, you have these problems, but you don't just go up to your balls and put your nuts in his coffee and then leave. You know what I mean? Like, you you know, you deal with it the best you can. Only on Tuesday he did do a little ball dip. Now he's gonna listen to this and be like, "Did he dip dip his balls in my coffee or not?" Uh, but you get what I'm saying. Like, just yeah. because you're going through some stuff doesn't mean that you have to like self sabotage your job or be a complete dick. And uh, I don't think the Tony Khan one to me was him being a dick. I I do feel like, depending on how you read 
that interview with Big Swole and Tony Khan's comments, there there's some things to be said. Tony Khan, uh, look, I love I love that he's very open about wrestling and what he's trying to do, but they're like, get off Twitter sometimes, dude. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. Because uh, I think I even told you this. It was almost like, well, I have a, a black friend. The way his comment kind of came off, or I have a, you know, like when people say shit like that. <laughs> it kind of felt like that. He could have said it uh, instead of just what what I think happened is he read a headline. He didn't maybe or maybe he did read the quote. I just think that you know maybe him just being a little bit more eloquent would have helped out. Just being like, look, you know, he didn't have to say any. He didn't have to say anything, especially on Twitter. <laughs> He really didn't, and it was yeah. very passionate. Uh, if he was gonna say, if he was gonna say anything, it's like she didn't. One, she did not ask for a release, and two, she was released. That's all he had to say. Yeah, and if uh, you want to but, but like he, he saying, took a sh- um, he took a shot at her. Yeah, instead of saying I'm a brown person, be like, you know, I know what it's like for this concept. I'd love to have said, you know, Persian based or Indian based wrestlers. But there's, you know, I'm having problems with that, so I'm trying to do this, this, and this. Instead, he fucking did what he did, and it looked pretty fucking terrible. So, but it's been pretty much brushed over, I guess. AEW well, fans, yeah, they'll, they'll eat their own yum. The, with the exception of like, you did see a lot of people of color in these. <laughs> last few shows so brushed over to an extent but maybe changed the booking of his shows well maybe you should keep up with a weekly quota like you did on that fucking post just to make sure uh, yeah like it, in general tony, tony khan should shut the fuck up because he does this to the foot like his football team and his uh sorry for people maybe listening in europe uh his football team and his football team, I guess, is probably the best way to do this because they actually don't like that guy very much either as far as uh, the Khan family being owners because of stuff like this. Uh, if you go back and look at some of the Urban Meyer stuff around the Khan family, if you're a football fan, similar. Uh, just, you know, it's it's cool that he's out there, especially when the other guy is Vince McMahon, who never does interviews. Um, it's cool that he's out there, but at the same time, like shit like this, like you, you released a wrestler. Could you imagine if Vince had to respond to every wrestler he released that said shit about his company? He released like 80 in a year. That's actually the Tony Khan response is like, go ask Vince about releasing Keith Lee and then come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> like that should have been that's well, what he should have done is kind of move the gun along instead of like you know putting a bullet in it and put it t- towards your head and playing and i mean we're two fucking white guys talking about this but like to be fair to tony to an extent when big swole is making comments and attacks at jake cargo because she's getting fucking television time and then she starts talking about diversity within there Top stars, not in the women's division, because there are a lot of representation there, I think, and a lot of different efforts, and not in the tag team, not in a lot of, but in the top world heavyweight division, they just got Jay Lethal because Ring of Honor is done, but, like, Keith Lee hasn't had enough time, like, there's not a lot of what I'm trying to say, top stars, because a lot of those top stars are signed to companies, you know, EJ Daduka over at fucking MLW, you have Moose, uh, Rich Swan, Willie Mack, 
They're over at Impact signed to a contract. If Ring of Honor was still around, you wouldn't have a chance to grab Jay Lethal or even a Jonathan Gresham in the future. So I think that's a little bit fair. But, you know, at the same time, you don't fucking make a comment like that. That's stupid. And we really didn't talk about it. So I'm kind of glad we're able to clarify a bit. But, you know, even if 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 some of that was sour grapes from Big Swole, she talked a lot about the whole entire thing. And she didn't say anything too damn bad towards Tony, just stuff they probably need to work on. And Tony, I think, read a headline and just made a fucking really ignorant post on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, he like buried her for no reason to. Yeah, she's not she's not as as bad as some fucking people he still employs when it comes to wrestling. I mean, some might say that she's better in the ring than big uh, their current champion, but whatever. <laughs> What <laughs> well, Jay Cargo? You obviously thought, yeah, you obviously thought that she was pretty good because you could put her in a match against Britt Baker and gave them a big pay per view uh, match at one point. Was it a pay per view where they did the whole dentist office gimmick? That wasn't that long ago. So I, I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but the way that he wrote her off was is kind of disgusting in itself. I, I and and like I said, it's it's like, hey Dane, I have a black friend. That's kind of how it came off as a white guy <laughs> in the way he responded to it. Um, it's I don't know. It, it just the whole thing felt icky and wasn't necessarily needed. There's some things you don't have to respond to and, I, or, or even comment on. I agree. And I'm sure he got I'm sure they all talked to him about that. So we'll just see going forward. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so. You know, we had Hangman Adam Page coming out. He's talking about wanting a new challenger and looking forward to the future of him as a champion. Uh, oh, oh, actually, before that, we have backstage confrontation with Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston uh, with Santana and Ortiz and Jake Hager kind of leaving them there, yelling at each other. Um, I had, you know, this is all building up to them both being there for Sammy Guevara's uh, championship match against Daniel Garcia with the idea that Jericho's there, obviously, to support Sammy, but Eddie's there to get, you know, get some revenge after the match is done sort of shit. Um, I think we've all said this, or I think me and you have both said this. Just put Kingston together with let's get rid of this whole entire thing. I. I mean, if you if you want to keep Jake Hager with Jericho and maybe Sammy as well, I guess that's fine. But like Santana and Ortiz and Kingston, I think, are a good unit. And I'm sorry. I love fucking Chris Jericho. He's one of my favorites. Um, you know, one of the goats, if you will. Uh, don't tell Rick I said that. Um, but it's just he's gotten a bit stale lately. I'm just finding him kind of pretentious a bit or at least. I don't know. It's like he has to get involved in things that are popular, and Eddie Kingston's definitely one of them. And I don't want to see Kingston go through something similar that MJF did, or even Orange Cassidy, because I don't think that thing really helped Orange Cassidy. Uh, I could be wrong, but um, that's what it looks like it's going to get to. What do you think about this backstage interview, or or basically verbal joust between Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho? By the way, I did like their back and forth. They're both really good on the mic. But Eddie's, I don't know, he's on a different level right now. He doesn't give a fuck. I like the idea of this might be the split of the inner circle. 
where Eddie Kingston kind of he didn't really like like lay out an ultimatum, but kind of where he's like, really, guys, really, you're going to hang out with this dude kind of thing. And they set that up in the promo. So, like, if they go with that story, I'm I'm in. Uh, I'm good with a good brawl Eddie Kingston Jericho match. That probably would be one of the better kind of Jericho matches you could have at this point, right? True. Um, I'm fi- I want to see how it plays out, but I, I definitely get what you're saying. And uh, there is a little bit of, and we talked about fatigue earlier, but there is Jericho fatigue for me. It's just too much, especially with him being on commentary and, uh, a lot of that show being directly written around Jericho and people maybe getting over despite of it, like uh, Eddie Kingston would be a good example because when Eddie Kingston kind of rose to this level that he's at now, the entire show was built around the inner circle versus whatever MJF's crew was, if you really think about it. So it, it, there is something to be said about maybe Jericho does jump on a bandwagon, but at the same time, it's like you could say that about any wrestler, especially top guys like Triple H or uh, Shawn Michaels or, you know, like you want to be a big part of the story. So I'm I'm not going to say that that's necessarily a Jericho, like Jericho trying to be a dick kind of thing. More as like, you know, if you were a top guy, you kind of realize how it works. Um, but yeah, I'm, I would be good with less Jericho for quite a while. Um, but yeah, him versus Kingston separation of the inner circle. We're finally done with that faction. I'm cool with that. If that's where the story is going, which kind of seems like that might be the case. Also, like, I don't know if Eddie Kingston is shoot hurt since he has a match in GCW like next weekend, but he's like the doctor house of selling this fucking leg. Like. It's pretty good. Nope. I like Jericho has a bat and he's selling his legs so hard that he can barely stand and he still wants to fight Jericho. The, the small things is what makes Eddie Kingston so great right now in wrestling. Yeah, he's a fucking firecracker, man. Love him. Uh, have you have you at all? It's not controversy. I just. I love how Ric Flair has his podcast, Chris. And now it's like every episode, every fucking website has to take one of the things he says out of context and make an article out of it. Because, I mean, it gets clicks, clickbait, get it, whatever. But have you heard about this controversy with him having a problem with, I want to say Bleacher Report or or someone said that he was the GOAT or Chris Jericho was the GOAT and Rick had an issue with this? I... <laughs> I did not hear this, but this definitely sounds like something Ric Flair would get pissed off about. And uh, I mean, like, he would definitely not like me. Because he's not as good as Terry Funk. Like, what does he mean? I mean, guess the biggest draw of all time is Ric Flair because he's not that. That's Hulk Hogan. Uh, well, best in-ring wrestler of all time. He's is, not that. That's <laughs> the thing is, though, people are people are getting like that. And they, they didn't really actually hear what he said. And what he was saying, basically, is that. Chris Jericho being the goat is like he loves Chris Jericho, but being the goat and he kind of brought up money or 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 performance. And he said, take me out of the picture. I don't even care if I'm considered the goat. You're going to say that Chris Jericho has made more money than Shawn Michaels or not than Stone Cold Steve Austin, than Hulk Hogan, 
than uh, The Rock. Sorry, no, no, you haven't. You're gonna say he's a better in-ring wrestler than Steamboat, than Bret Hart, than Shawn Michaels. No, so that to me is absolutely ridiculous. That's basically what he said. But everyone ran yeah, with but it. If you... the player is saying he's the goat over Chris Jericho, and that's why he was mad about it. Well, yeah, if you look at it that same way, Chris Jericho had a longer career than most of those wrestlers and has always been a top guy and probably did yeah, end up don't, making... don't kid yourself for the sake of the thing. Chris Jericho <laughs> can't fucking lick the boots of any of those guys when it comes to what he was talking about specifically. When it comes to being a draw or being a better wrestler than the, those three, no. Give me a fucking break. I don't even think Chris would think that. Okay, well, the entire wrestling industry is lucky that Stone Cold got dropped on his fucking head then. If if you if you're gonna go that route where you're just who cares it, it doesn't matter like look Jericho is one of the best wrestlers of all time if he wants to call himself the goat of the past twenty years there's an argument that can be made by that uh, as far as like being able to change your character and get over wherever you're at on the card Chris Jericho definitely could make a claim to that like is he the best in ring wrestler not even close like Okada is better than Chris Jericho in the past 10 years. So I get that. But like at the same time, like, you know, best in the world, CM Punk, it's, it's part of his gimmick. Like, And I, I don't understand why but this Jericho ruffles players. Jericho did not make the stance. A major outlet did. It's, it's, you're acting as if you read the title and then this, this is your reaction from it. <laughs> My reaction is like, why, why does this even matter? <laughs> because it's a fucking... Hey, uh, it's it's a major wrestler just giving his opinion on the whole entire situation, and that's all. He drinks the energy drink and it puts the woo in his woo. That's what I know. And he <laughs> kicks the leg out of the leg, you know. Uh. <laughs> I, you get what I'm saying, but like, why it's goat? People call like there's like right now, Becky Lynch is wearing goats on her shoulder. Is she the greatest female wrestler of all time? Is she better than Bull Nakano? Well, Rick has she... a lot of problems in that. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> is she even the best female wrestler on the WWE roster? Oh, That's... No. Goat gets thrown around way more than it used to. So I get where Rick would be a little pissy, but like, you know, Jericho, you could make an argument, a hard argument for Jericho versus Flair as far as like being the greatest Longevity? Because there's. Longevity would be one. Uh, the ability to change your character and do different things and make the company money. Where you, you get Ric Flair, you get Ric Flair. He's just always going to be Ric Flair. Yep. Um, I agree with that. Jericho, uh, and also, like, the amount of people watching Jericho versus Ric Flair in the 70s and 80s. As far as national and pay-per-view-wise, like, Jericho versus Shawn Michaels, for instance, is as far as pay-per-view buys, etc. So it's it's one of those weird things where when you start looking at lineage and there's su- there's such a degree of separation of how things are viewed and how it's marketed, it's such a what? hard thing to say. One's the Stones, the other one's Kiss. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, both of them have been around fucking forever. One's a little bit older, obviously, from a different generation, but they both rock with their cock out, and they're gonna go until their fucking bones. So you know, and maybe Sean will come back and retire Chris Jericho, like he did Rick. There you go. <laughs> yeah, maybe that that'll be what happens. Uh, also, Terry Funk. If you want greatest of all time, it's just Terry Funk, Dane. <laughs> 
That also, and Rick had a long thing. Uh, they had a segment about Terry Funk, and he said the exact same thing uh, that Terry's one of the best workers, and people don't even realize it because they associate him, you know, our generation more so with the ECW stuff. But he's been going at it for a fucking long time. I was joking about 65 earlier, but I think it was like 69 when, when Terry Funk first started wrestling for his dad's promotion up nice. in Nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's also the thing of like were you big in japan like is stan hansen actually one of the biggest stars of all time this is the greatest of all time is just a thing that wrestling fans uh it's just weird that rick flair got upset about it right like who cares honestly because during the time period where rick flair is drawing the most money he was the greatest of all time like it's just different i it's it's way different in wrestling than it is in sports when you look at someone like tom brady and can easily point stat wise and be like yeah he's the greatest of all time look at the amount of super bowl rings look at what he did to our falcons dane (laughs) yeah shit happens all right well uh we had mjf come out really mad said that uh, CM Punk was going to be battling Sean Spears. All right, so that's going to happen next week. So we're going to have more stuff like that. Uh, Hangman Page came out. He's looking for a new challenger. Dan Lambert comes out, cuts a promo on Page, saying that he likes him and that he's happy for him being a champion, but to drop the cowboy gimmick because he's not a real cowboy. He's not really a man's man. It's an insult to people like Stan Hansen and, and Bill Watts and and Blackjack Mulligan, and they're going back and forth. And then out of nowhere, Lance Archer just comes out, grabs. You know, we know that obviously the last thing was involved with Dan Lambert uh, before Archer decided to do a fucking moonsault at age 49 and almost killed himself. Uh, he comes out, grabs Lambert, and then just starts beating the shit out of Page and gives him a blackout on a chair, which was really gnarly. Um, Hey, good opponent, I think, to build up for uh, Page to take down, Chris. Good seeing uh, Lance Archer. I don't know what the fuck the Dan Lambert stuff is, though. What happened with Jake the Snake? Where the hell is he? Um, That I don't know. I know he has a new podcast with DDP, but he's he's hooked up to a fucking thing that helps him breathe, man. So I don't even know. Uh, I know oh, he I did I... with them uh, not too long ago, but... You know, he's having problems with oxygen because of smoking. Oh, I, I didn't know that was the thing. Well, well wishes to to Jake the Snake. They just kind of wrote him off and didn't. And now we have Dan Lambert uh, maybe being the manager for for Archer. I guess that's what they're setting up. Possibly. Also, Lance Archer looks like that one guy that listens to like hate breed. But you're at like a bright eye <laughs> show, <laughs> you know, it's, with, he has like, what was it with like the breakfast club ass <laughs> bandana tied around his boot kind of shit. You know what I mean? You've been to metal shows. Oh. Dane, where, oh. <laughs> you're like, this guy is only here to start shit in the pit. He doesn't even actually like this band. He just heard there was a metal show tonight. <laughs> Which is a good gimmick if that's what he's going for. He fucking nailed it. Hopefully he doesn't think that's a cool thing. But I'm glad to see Lance Archer back. That that chair spot was gnarly. Um, Adam Page maybe should go back to drinking because his character is a little 
boring outside of being really good wrestler until he got to the end of like where he hit like talking about cow ranches and stuff that was a very very boring ass promo i agree i definitely agree he needs something to give him a little pizzazz we already talked talked about Sheeta and deep like i said deep came out beat the crap out of Sheeta. they asked her if she could start the match uh, after just nailing her with a kendo stick and just going after her leg, um, they rang the bell. She uh, hit her move, uh, her submission on it. She, of course, got out and then deep hit her with a kendo stick some more. And uh, the referees, Aubrey Edwards, got in her face, and that was kind of interesting. Then there was a chant for Aubrey, uh, and deep got the hell out of there. So, referee stoppage. Because Sheeta could not continue against Deeb. Any last comments about that? Second DQ finish of the year. Um, right. is referee stoppage a DQ? I don't even know. That's what I'm asking. I mean, it happened before the match, which there actually should be three if you consider what Wardlow did to that poor guy. what i'm getting at is uh this hard like we're not going to do any kind of fuck finishes seems to be slowly diminishing tony khan (laughs) within your own product i guess for the better you know they should never fucking said that to begin with just don't do it as much as wwe does and we'll be happy that's all they had to say yeah i think I think people are okay with a fuck finish here here and again if it makes sense within the storyline. <laughs> That's why they call it a dusty finish, if you will. Uh, you will. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was my takeaway from this. I like Serena Deeb's a lot. They need or Deeb's a lot. She they need to do something with her. She should be in the title picture. Her and Britt Baker would be fucking great. Uh, yeah. She is going to be gone for a few weeks, so they needed to get her off TV. But now, what are you going to do with Deeb? Right. So. I'm kidding. But it looks like they're going Statlander, Britt Baker again, which I'm fine with. Right? That's going to be the build. Yeah. So, D versus Cargill, I guess? That'd be interesting. Jade could have. Is she a babyface at that point? Does it really matter, I guess, with Jade if she's babyface or heel? She also has like rockish charisma, you know, to her where she can kind of rock both, I guess. I think Jade is supposed to be a babyface, which just brings the question of why the fuck Mark Sterling is there as her manager or whatever. All right, let's uh let's move on to the next one, and we're on to the next one. I thought this and was another fun. one, and another one. Penta El Zero Miedo, Pentagon, went against Matt Hardy, and uh, just a fun match, nothing too crazy at all. Um, I mean, what happened afterwards, I think, is the bigger thing. But you know, Matt Hardy and and Penta, they started with. 
you know, Cerro Mero versus Delete going back and forth. Had a pretty good match. Um, and Penta got the, uh, the fear factor for a victory. But after the match, he sent a message with Alex uh, to Malachi Black, vowing to show him some uh, respect. And then all of a sudden, Black arrived after the arena went dark. Varsity Blondes, after Black's just taken out Pentagon, Varsity Blondes come out to help out, including with Julia Hart, who was trying to get them to stop beating down Black because the three of them were just kicking the crap out of him. So I guess there, there may be some postpartum type of thing. Or is that called postpartum? Am I fucking up with that? Or Stockholm. Yeah, you don't remember that. Stockholm. You don't remember that. Do you remember the story angle where Naito spit in Omega's eye and then he was like, no, don't beat up Naito. Please don't. You remember that storyline? Yeah. It always makes sense in wrestling. Stockholm Syndrome really <laughs> makes sense in wrestling. Uh, yeah. But anyways, that would lead to Brody King. Probably the cooler thing about the night. You know, everything goes off, comes back on, he's in the ring, and they decimate everyone. So I guess Julia Hart is slowly going to become part of this thing. Um, I don't fucking know. It's all weird. I like Brody King and Aleister Black, or Malachi Black, I should say, being together. And now there's another potential badass tag team uh, in the tag division. So I guess Malachi's Undertaker got Brody's Kane, if you will, Chris. The best thing that came out of this is the Pac promo later. Because let's talk, let's talk about that too. What the fuck was that? That was so weird. So he's blinded as well with the crossed over uh, eyes. There's like the blind tarot card that says justice on it. And he's talking about how he's coming from Malachi Black. But wouldn't it be awesome if he loses this to Malachi Black and becomes part of the House of Black? And that's like kind of his gimmick. That's, I mean, that, that gets very comic look, I guess. But. Jesus Christ, did he look metal as fuck holding these tarot cards with this wrapping around his head. I was like, man, I miss Pac so bad. <laughs> Me too. He, you know, I, I was going to say, do you know who I could see actually joining them too? That would probably be aesthetically looking really well. I know that, I know the Blades actually been a wrestler for a long time and, and stuff, and maybe he could come too just to there as a, but the Butcher would look really fucking cool next to the two of them. Uh, Andy Williams, guitarist for Every Time I Die. Big fan. Hot damn. Um, but the butcher next to Brody King and, and uh, Malachi Black would be a pretty cool visual. And, and Pac. I mean, fuck. That's a, that's a scary looking fucking group. Yeah. And it, the weird thing about this is like you haven't given us any reason to care about the Varsity Blondes other than one of them is Pillman's kid. Do you think they so, fucked up by not trying to put him to the moon after that documentary came out? Because I feel like he was kind of talked about. And then they tried. Know, maybe. But it never did anything with him and MJF. Well, it's so weird when you look at people like Jungle Boy and uh, Darby Allen and um, even Hook, to some extent, who are ready to be pushed there. I don't know if that. Tillman Jr. is ready to be pushed there in ring-wise. Because we've seen him fuck up a lot in his matches, and they've given him TV matches. Yep. So, maybe that's why? 
Uh, yeah, but they did fuck up. If you're going to push the guy, just let him fuck up in the ring. I feel, I feel like people would have forgiven him. But you're also in, like, company of Kenny Omega <laughs> and the Young Bucks, etc., that are probably going to shit on the match if it's bad. So it's it's maybe a different. I, I feel like if he was in WWE, he probably would have done better. They wouldn't have called him Brian Pillman Jr. Jr. Actually, that's probably what they would have called him. He's Brian Pillman Jr. 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 or something dumb. <laughs> like, but they they may have been able to get him over faster. If if uh, he was WWE, he would be called like Dale Schwartz. <laughs> Junior, 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 <laughs> junior, junior. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! We're just gonna pretend uh, I know lineage from. <laughs> but yeah, like you get what I'm saying, though. Like uh, yeah. making mistakes in the AWTV is you're gonna get immediately criticized by the peers that you have, and that's. I mean, that I, I think. And tell them, if that was the situation, tell the Bucks to concentrate on fucking tag team wrestling. Uh, he's not looked good in his matches. I mean, like, okay, I guess, at best. I don't so, remember him. I mean, he fucked up. He did have that one fuck up, but I don't think he's that off track. Uh, but he also doesn't look as good as someone like Darby Allen or, you know, like other young stars. They're like uh, Dante Martin or. You get what you get. What I'm saying. Like, well, I think it's. I think the main thing is the fucking booking. The varsity bonds is stupid. Uh, just have him by himself <laughs> kicking ass. And also, if a scathing heel is talking shit about his mom, don't. You know, I don't know why he. That was probably him, or unless he wasn't given direction, would not fucking just try to kill MJF immediately since they've already had a blood feud in another organization. It made no sense. Uh, I, so I. I I agree with you on that. I am going to say I feel like they fast-tracked whatever this story is with Penta and uh, Malachi because of Ray Phoenix being injured. So we're getting the Penta singles run, right? It's going to be Penta versus Malachi. Uh, and yeah. that might might have gotten fast-tracked just because Ray got hurt. So the storyline's a little weird. I Julia Hart, this iPad shit, I don't care. Like, if she's part of the group, just make her part of the group. Because if I see her with a fucking eye patch one more time, I swear to God, <laughs> it doesn't make she, any sense. She's supposed to be like Luna Vachon of this fucking shit. Like, she's this innocent little bystander, and then she gets taken into this evil group, and she's about to show us this demonic side of her. Because I don't see that happening. I think that so only if he bl- if he blinds everyone with his spit, right? Then, Does she have you know, super eyes? Co- well, Cody Rhodes has super eyes because the best, the bastard Pac <laughs> has wrappings all over his head. She has an eye patch because <laughs> this man shoots razor blades out of his mouth. Apparently, apparently. Um, <laughs> don't lie with the myth, baby. Do you think? Do you think? Yeah, Kabuki and Muda are looking at this and like, stop fucking up our gimmick, dude. Like, really? <laughs> I even think Tajiri's doing that. Yeah, it's chicken. Well, that's true. That'd be a great tag team to bring into AEW amongst all the other tag teams. Let's get let's get Muda and, and Tajiri back together. That'd be awesome. Call them Spit Clan. 
and then Sick. let them rap <laughs> in Japanese. It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> all right oh god yeah that was fun though so birdie king it's officially all lead um like i said maybe the maybe it's going to be him at the next pay-per-view which is what march maybe it's him if it's not malachi versus penta maybe it's penta and and uh what the fuck Pac, dark triangle against you know, uh, Malachi and Brody King, and then maybe at the end, Pent- or Penta gets fucked over from Pac. I could see them going that direction. I love this uh, Brock Lesnar contract that Pac's under, where he shows up and works like four matches and then disappears for like months and months and months. Where, where's the anger on that? People get pissed about Brock's con- contract. <laughs> if we look at like the bastard Pac AEW run. Um, no, that would be a great tag match. Uh, I, I did want to say something about Birdie King real quick. That fucking senton flip he does into the corner of the Kevin Owens spot, he hits that thing at like a bazillion miles an hour. <laughs> it looks like Kevin Owens is standing in slow motion. It makes Kevin Owens' version look like very soft and clean. His looks like he kills the guy. <laughs> Which Dude, I think he, that's... My girlfriend, I showed her uh, that that thing, and she thought he was wearing a fucking shirt because of all the tattoos. <laughs> he yeah, hit that, that spot so fast. I, I, there is a reason why Kevin Owens does it the way he does it. It's to not kill the other person. Bertie King gets zero fucks, apparently. <laughs> you better have your head tucked back under that second turnbuckle, <laughs> man. Because if not, you're going to get knocked the fuck out. Yeah, I love that tag team. I think it's a great look. And like you said, if you're doing the House of Black, I think that's really cool. And I would also like for the bastard Pac to be there doing the... uh, I don't... If they can come up with some kind of cool mask with the gauze over the eyes, where he's like the seer or something. Like, if you're going to get mystical, why not? Like, if he can wrestle with that kind of gimmick on his head, that'd be amazing. And become part of the House of Black, that'd be great. Until he does, like, a, a 630 to the outside on accident because he's on the wrong part of the fucking turnbuckle. <laughs> God. Uh, I don't know how people, like, do the mask thing. It's got to be crazy. Ray Mysterio is like, me neither. <laughs> booyaka, booyaka. Booyaka. Claimed and Bear there, Country had a match. There has to be a way to do that, though, right? Like if they want to do the gals, the guy, the what do you, what do you call them? The medical wrappings around his eyes and him be able to still see and wrestle a match. Yeah. All right, I would assume so. Uh, um, Bear Country. My wife said those some thick boys. I have that written in my notes. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> They they some thick boys, and they actually look like they would be a formidable team, but somehow they're jobbers. But I do like the acclaim. They had a rap making fun of Sting and I think relating it to ARP and then Allen. I don't know. But good stuff. They won the match afterwards. We had Sting and Darby Allen come out, and they beat the crap out of them, uh, ending with Sting giving, uh, I think it was Anthony, uh, a Scorpion Death Drop. So... Yeah, we're building this up. 
Uh, I don't know, like I said, Chris, I don't know if you saw the rap music video, their little comeback to it, but uh, it's it's interesting having the acclaimed against Sting and Darby. I like that the boombox is uh, basically the no-sell of the year. <laughs> Sting hit that thing with a bat and it just bounced off. <laughs> Where's the AEW fans on Twitter on that? It's like, I can't yeah. believe that boombox just got right up after Sting hit it with a bat. Where, where are you guys? Uh, I think it's a weird uh, combination of things with like Sting and Darby versus the Acclaimed. But it should be a fun match. Hey, man, you know, when you're talking about most inspirational wrestler of the year, how is Sting not up there? Dude just hit a cross yeah. fucking body block at the age of 176. Um, maybe he throw Sting's the name in, my... in there. He does he put the woo in there. Get out of you, Philip. I'm talking to you, Philip. You put the respect on Sting's name. You know what I'm talking about. Well, I'm just saying, like, most inspirational. How is it not, like, actually, now that I think about it, how is it not staying? He's had some of the best matches he's had in 20 years. I was able to watch him live for the first time in almost 25 years. I mean, it's crazy on a huge stage. Ugh. Oh, my wife, uh, She well, we've talked about it on the show. She's a makeup artist, and she was like, they figured out how to fix the Sting hairline because WWE and Impact couldn't do it. <laughs> like, always, like, just let it show that he's balding so hard. AEW is like, nah, let's put the black in your hair to make it look <laughs> so that... his hairline doesn't look as jacked up. <laughs> he does not look his age, man. I think he looks great. You know? He's, he looks he's in getting... the best yeah. shape I've seen him in, even going back to Impact in a while and i guess that that's probably like a shout out to ddp he's doing he's one of the ddp yoga guys right he's he's yep. cut a lot of weight from being a former muscle builder but he looks like super cut now how long until sting takes that shirt off and people are like oh my god and he comes back as like 90 sting with blonde hair and just runs runs wild on malachi <laughs> he needs to have a few with a heel cody if he does that because i want to see surfer sting like heel cody Ready to talk Good about time. the TNT match? Sure. No, I am. Sammy Guevara, Daniel Garcia. Thought this was an excellent match. Both guys have a shit ton of potential. But, you know, we had a lot of bullshit. Matt Martell and Jeff Parker came out. They attacked uh, Kingston and Chris Jericho. Guevara overcame the distraction, wiped out the invaders, and finished Garcia off with a go-to-hell for the win of his title defense. Uh, and afterwards, Jericho and uh, Kingston uh, just going back together, um, just uh, yelling at each other, saying curse words and stuff to go off the show. Um, I thought this was I thought this was a fun match. Like I said, these guys are both... Sammy Guevara for high flying is absolutely incredible. His finesse is second to none. And Daniel Garcia is a really great technical wrestler. I mean, when you get someone like Brian Danielson saying that he reminds me of a young me, that's a huge compliment. And uh, I like furthering both these young lads going forward. Um, Kingston and uh, Jericho having their issues. 
you know, 2.0, I don't have to see them every week, but I don't know if it's Martell or if it's Parker who's squarehead. I think it's uh, Matt Martell, but still fun on the mic, just good at talking shit. Like I said, he reminds me of the Mountie a lot. Um, Jericho and Kingston setting them up. We already talked about that. My takeaway, though, from this is, are we really going to see whenever he comes back from his healed up, whatever the fuck, Sammy Guevara lose at TNT championship for a second time against Cody? Because that's what I'm worried about. That's why I honestly would have rather Dustin won the match, because uh, I don't know where the fuck we're going with this. Because if not, why the fuck did Sammy drop it to Cody in the first place? So that's my biggest thing. But good match. Cody's How'd like you- a cancer. Cody is like a cancer of this division, of this championship right now. He used to be the guy that we were like, him holding it makes it just as good, or a lot of people, not me or you specifically, but him holding that title at one point was like, you know, someone with the world title. He he brought prestige to it. And now it's like, get it the fuck away from Cody. Ugh. I mean, it has nothing to do with him as a wrestler. It's just like, if he's only going to be there two shows out of two months and then just going to go disappear and do TV shows. It's very much like Ms. John Cena and the fans have picked up on that. And that's why he's getting the amount of hate he has. It has nothing to do with the way they booked him. It's like he has become what he hated so much, (laughs) you know, like a good, like CM Punk uh, making that Ms. joke to, to MJF, it should have been aimed at Cody, honestly, because you're basically the Miz, except for you didn't headline in WrestleMania. And like, I like Cody Rhodes. I thought he was the best babyface. Like when AEW first started, I thought he was the best babyface on the planet. They somehow managed to fuck that up by one having him never be able to challenge for the actual heavyweight title again, and then two, like everything they've done after. Um, whether it was with Brody Lee or like they just, especially when they started involving the nightmare family very heavily, like, and you can't even say it's bad booking because he's part of his booking. So it's kind of just on him, you know? So like I would have Sammy Guevara win that title back and have him go on a run. And if you want him to feud with someone, him and Miro had a really good match. Where the fuck is Miro? I would like to see that again, please. Can we get more Miro? Uh, I would do something outside of that and then save Cody until you get, if he's going to be doing TV shit anyways, like don't give him a big storyline, save it for one of your casino battle Royals or something and have him show up and win and then go against whoever your champion, like him versus hangman would be a really good match. It's like, I said, I would never challenge for this again, but now that I won this thing, I have a reason to challenge for it again. There's no option. Because you want a thing that requires you to challenge a champion. Uh, figure out a way around that storyline because I think it hurts Cody. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I rambled a lot. What are your thoughts, Dave, on everything I just said? No, I, I think that you're right. I think that uh, it's. I don't want to say annoying. I mean, like I said, I, I have a lot of praise for Cody. I've said a lot of great things about him on the show in the past. It is that aspect where 
I don't know. You're seeing him less. He comes back. He'll beat the per or he'll lose the person. Come back and beat him. He's in that several times. He's kind of setting that up with Sammy. Uh, yeah, being in the world title picture makes a lot of sense. I mean, my whole thing is, if you're going to have this interim title, I understand this was not how plans are supposed to go, unless this is a big swerve, and this is going to be Cody coming back, beating the crap out of Sammy, to set him, if he's setting himself up after saying he's not going to in interviews, to be a huge heel, and that's what his idea was, then that's a good direction. If not, I don't think this is smart. I would rather see him in the title picture, the World Heavyweight, the AW World Championship picture, more so than this, and I don't know where the hell they go. I mean, I mean, why the hell didn't they just put the damn title on Jay Lethal and just kept it on him for a while as soon as he got there? I think all of us were kind of hoping that, or a lot of us at least. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see going forward. If he just beats Sammy flatter than, you know, a plate of piss, I don't think that's going to really help Sammy going forward. And if Sammy beats him, that makes no sense of why he got it in the fucking first place when we get to that place. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, Cody just needs to decide if he wants to be a celebrity or if he wants to be a wrestler. Because when he works here in Atlanta, he wants to be a wrestling-ass wrestler. <laughs> where I will set myself on fire or fall off the top of a cage. But uh, I don't know, man. He's just in a weird spot. And I think it's, uh, I think it's whoever put that neck tattoo on him cursed him. Cause as soon as he got that neck tattoo, <laughs> it was all downhill from there. Uh, oh, well, what are you going to do, brother? He was a good champion during the pandemic with that title, having matches with random ass people, you know, every week. It just, I don't know. It's, it's just weird what can happen to you within a year as a wrestler. Well, especially if you take long periods of time off and let other people kind of gain that spotlight. Yep. And uh, that, I think that's, Cody's biggest problem is now when you come back, it's almost like you're big leaguing the rest of the company. Like if you know Kitty Omega's out here wrestling with the torn labrum, but you have to go do the big show for four months, it kind of makes you think about like, well, you know, kind of fuck Cody, <laughs> really. You know what I was thinking? <laughs> Just now involving Cody. Out of all four of them, the VPs, if you will, Bucks, Kenny, and Cody. Cody's the only one that I could actually potentially see going to WWE out of the four of them. When his contract's up. But he owns part of the company, so that's not ever going to happen. Because isn't he like a stockholder in the company? I'm not 100% sure on that. I think he's just a VP. I think everything's no. Tony. Yeah, Vince McMahon is super hyped to get this version of Cody Rhodes that no one likes now. That does seem like some shit that would happen. He signs Cody Rhodes at his lowest point and then puts him on NXT to, to job to Braun Breaker or something. You know what I mean? Like, that does. Ha ha, pal. They either treat him like Triple H or Jeff Jarrett. Let's find out. <laughs> is Cody Rhodes actually Jeff Jarrett? 
Jeff Jarrett had a banger ass theme song though, so we'll give the nod to Jeff Jarrett for now. Shout out to Jeff Jarrett. Go check out that episode. Dane interviewed Jeff Jarrett. It was great. Right before he got inducted to the Hall of Fame. Listeners out there. Another favorite classic episode for sure. Uh, all right, so let's. I'll, I'll go over the matches. I know that you didn't get a chance to see them, though, from Rampage. Um, Adam Cole and Trent Beretta had an excellent match. I thought it was a match of the night. Uh, and this kind of just had another huge brawl at the end of it. And all the like the craziness that was going on with everyone fighting around ringside, Adam Cole was able to get that knee in the back of uh, Beretta's head and, uh, yeah, get him with the pin. But uh, I really, Chris, really, really, really like Trent Beretta. Um, he's one of those guys. I'm, I'm going to put this to you. Montez Ford or Trent Beretta, who would do better with singles if they dropped their tag partner? Montez Ford. All right. I think that that's but, true, but I think that Trent Beretta is right behind him. Trent Beretta is great, but they've given him singles opportunities in various companies. And uh, I don't know if it's just it never works out or like it, it, like if you go back and watch some of this stuff in New Japan or even when he was in because he was in WWE for a while. It's almost like Juice Robinson where it just never really clicks. Uh, whereas Montez Ford is just such a charismatic guy and has can do huge spots. I don't think he's as good in the ring as Trent Beretta, uh, but he also has those kind of like Jeff Hardy highlight big spots that he can hit that makes up for some of that. Uh, that that would be my reasoning on if I had to pick one to push, uh, I'd probably pick Montez Ford. Also, Montez Ford is a way better name even though Trent Beretta is still a pretty lit name I'm glad he's not going by just Trent anymore they actually it's going by Trent Beretta again because I don't know why the hell that was just weird it was like a WWE thing almost <laughs> but um yeah good man yeah why the hell they, his last name is fucking Beretta it's a gun yeah. <laughs> like yeah just... exactly that's what I'm saying <laughs> um Sean Spears destroyed Andrew Everett in less than a minute uh that was a match um, but I like, like Chris, I am enjoying this version of Sean Spears. Uh, he's just a pompous douchebag, but he had Wardlow in his corner. So I guess things are a little bit more cleared up. Um, but then we had, just want to make sure Spears didn't do anything afterwards, but no, he didn't. Statlander, Hirsch and Red yeah. Velvet again. I was going to say real quick, if they're transitioning Sean Spears to just be a manager, that might be a really good idea uh, that that will have matches if he needs to. Um, but like the, the him and Wardlow stuff is working for me. Actually, this is the my favorite version of Sean Spears ever, even going back to NXT, t- the perfect 10. I think this is the best Sean Spears I've seen. I much emerge those two songs because I like both of his theme music or both of his themes, I should say. Um, but yeah, to the turn, you know, that, that whole entire thing with that. I will not allow, you know, the rap over it. That'd be cool. Uh, Chris Atlander, Red Velvet, legit Layla Hirsch went against Nyla Rose, Penelope Ford, and the Bunny. Um, good match. Nothing crazy. This is just furthering. It seems like so the, apparently the, the the story is Chris 
legit Lady LaHirsch, Red Velvet, and Chris Statlander are all really good friends uh, within the company. And legit Layla Hirsch doesn't like that. Chris Statlander keeps on getting these, uh, you know, these advancements. She's a little jealous. So in this, Statlander was about to beat the bunny, and Layla Hirsch tagged herself in and got rolled up from a distraction, and the bunny ended up pinning her. So it uh, looks like there's more tension uh, between these ladies. I mean, that should be a good match if they do Chris Statlander against uh, legit Layla Hirsch. They're both really good in ring, so whatever. That'll be a great match. I actually like this match quite a bit because um, I did see the, some clips of it. But like, like Layla Hirsch, I think, is very underrated on this roster. Yes. Um, that'll, that'll be a really good match if they set that up, Statlander versus Layla Hirsch. But like, how do you put that on the card and where it falls, et cetera? I, I am not going to watch I, Elevation Dark to watch this match. I'll tell you that, Dane. Yeah, no shit. Uh, all right, so we had Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Uh, pretty decent match. We knew who was going to win. Jurassic Express uh, won. But, you know, there was there was a really cool sequence at the end of the match with Silver and uh, Reynolds uh, that went back and forth. But then it went right back to Luchasaurus. I think he got his, like, tail kick or whatever the hell it's called. And they did their finisher, Jurassic Express, were able to retain their titles. I'm just wondering, who's the heel team that you think is going to be going against or going for those titles against Jurassic Express. Oh, wow. That's a good question. I, I mean, I think the idea would be the Young Bucks, but they're going to tie them up against a Red Dragon. So, or Red Dragon, depending on how you read it, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I would say the Bucks, I guess. Because FTR is going to beat the hell on Arn's kid, and then I'm assuming that Dim Boys is going to show up. We didn't talk about that promo. Not about that, yeah. Sorry, Bleacher Report doesn't give me everything uh, sometimes, but yeah, we had a uh, pretty interesting promo. Arn's with um, his son. Holy. What's the, what's the name of his partner? I'm blanking right now. Arn's son's friend. I, I'm blanking as well. Arn's son's friend. <laughs> FTR. Yeah, FTR comes out. Tully, they just basically dogged him down and said, even Dax saying, like, I'm more of a son than your son is, when it goes back to the whole Arn Anderson comparison. It was uh, very interesting. But uh, yeah, it's, it's Brock Anderson, and I can't remember. I can't remember the gentleman's. I'll look it up. Uh, Lee Johnson. There you go. My brain did yeah, it. Yeah, he was, Chris. He, he was part of the. Um, Nightmare family for a while. He's trained by uh, uh, old fake Tony Soprano motherfucker. D. Marshall, yes. Yeah, he's a, he's a good wrestler. Yep. So it's cool that good they're in a tag team. team. Him and Brock, very interesting tag team. But uh, do you agree with FTR that, that Arn just wishes that those were his his uh, his sons and not his own son? That's some, that's some cruel shit, man, to say to the old man. I wouldn't mess with Glock Anderson, man. Fuck that. Yeah, like you better hope you're wrong because he's gonna shoot you. He already told Cody he's gonna shoot you. So Arn's out here. <laughs> I, I'm gonna buy you one of those Arm Anderson shirts off for wrestling tees. I will love it forever. <laughs> um, 
the weird the the best part of this is at the end where like Dax was like, "All right, see you later, Dad," <laughs> or whatever you <he> said. <laughs> so I'm assuming they're going to be beating the hell out of like Arn Anderson's kids, and then we're going to get the yeah. The I, I they should I think they should bloody him up. Maybe even uh, let uh let Arn juke. Get FTR to even like higher of a heel level than they already are. Make them do something dastardly like that. But yeah, they're just transitional for the boys, right? So uh, your your answer about who's the top heel team? I, I, I it has to be the Young Bucks, right? Yeah, I would think so. Or Red Dragon, I guess maybe to get those belts and position it against them and the Young Bucks. Well, one of those two teams have to win the tag belts to set up that feud, right? So, I don't know. Poor, poor Lucha, Lucha, uh, not Lucha Bros, Luchasaurus. The the poor boy and his dinosaur tag team. They're not long for this world. They're definitely transitional champions. They're definitely transitional babyface. I really do think that, man. Um, but you know. What are you going to do? Should we talk about SmackDown and get the fuck out of here? Yeah, let's do it. So, like, Roman Reigns was there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, and his uh, two cousins started it off. Uh, they were having a uh, fatal four-way number one contender tag match. Cesaro and Mansoor are a tag team now, apparently. Did not know that. Viking Raiders, Jinder Mahal, and, um, and uh, what is Shanky. And then also uh, Los Lotharios, Angel, and Humberto. And, uh, yeah, the Usos talk shit about all of them. Uh, Cesaro is wondering what the fuck he's doing with his life right now. And the Viking Raiders won, so we're going to have the Viking Raiders against the Usos at the Royal Rumble. Yay. <sighs> These tag teams are terrible. <laughs> There's only two good ones. There's only two real tag teams. And they've already beaten them to hell that I don't give a fuck about. And that's the Viking Raiders and the Lost Lotharios. What the hell is Cesaro? Oh, God damn it. Even Mansoor, man. You, like, Do you think this is a good spot for, like, Falter and Imperium to show up? And just yes. beat the shit out of everyone and then win the tag titles? That and would be you, awesome. You, and you could set up, like, after Mania, you could set up Falter versus uh, Reigns kind of thing because you're right these tag teams are garbage and i do feel bad for cesaro but maybe he's just like surfing with nakamura like on a daily basis maybe that's like <laughs> and dolph ziggler all through the- <laughs> <laughs> <Every> day. <laughs> they're like we're way too good to wrestle now we're pro surfers but and nakamura does the hang loose sign with his hand and they're like yeah <laughs> That's what I like to think happened <laughs> with all of them. Nakamura is a bad influence. He's like, that's why I moved here was for the surf. Also, I'm going to New Japan. You guys want to come with me? <laughs> God, dude, the idea of both Dolph and Cesaro in New Japan sounds pretty <laughs> awesome. But, uh... Especially with Nakamura, he brings his own bullet club. That'd be lit. That's definitely fantasy booking. He <laughs> left like, He's like, I'm done with chaos. <laughs> Fuck you, Okada. I have my own group. Yeah, uh, if he comes in with fucking Cesaro and Dolph Ziggler not in a WWE format, that'd be, that's a pretty good group. I'd, I'd like to see Okada versus Dolph Ziggler. That'd be pretty good. 
Ah, oh, man. That's great. All right. Well, uh, another guy that sometimes gets that same shtick but is so good at performing. Sammy Zayn, man. Who knew not only that he could become this good of a talker, but this good of a heel. So we have this dumb fucking thing that's going to probably end up with Johnny Knoxville eliminating Sami Zayn in the Royal Rumble, unfortunately. But Sami just comes out, cuts a promo on, on Knoxville, just talks shit about him. Uh, he discussed his upcoming Intercontinental title match against Shinsuke, uh, but wanted to turn his attentions to how Johnny Knoxville humiliated him. And uh, he said that he's going to do something fucking crazy like that. Um, he says, when it comes to being a jackass, no one is better than Sami Zayn. And he had this huge ramp set up that was supposed to go over the fucking ring, over to the other side. And he was in a shopping cart and had two gentlemen that were going to, you know, push him down said thing. And, uh, you know, he, of course, pussied out. Um, he basically he had this whole concept that was going to be called insane. And when he saw too many times, Rick Boogs appeared, distracting him, allowing Nakamura to attack him and get Kinshasa. Um, and then they hurled Zane to the floor where he hit the target so that, you know, it kind of looked like he made it, but he didn't make it. So they, they did that. But, um, Hey, give me Sami Zayn versus Shinsei Nakamura for the IC title. Um, I don't even care who has it afterwards, honestly. Um, and this was pretty funny, but you knew exactly what was going to happen. But kind of raw-ish, if you will, at the same time. What did you think, Chris? I love Sami Zayn, and uh, this was fine for what they're trying to get across. But, uh, hey, man, what do you think that, like, Bam Margera buys a front-row ticket Invades the ring, tosses out Johnny Knoxville before he can eliminate Sami Zayn. Let's do that. Since he got eliminated, because he got eliminated from that Jackass movie, right? Like, there's no Bam on that movie, even though CKY is the predecessor to Jackass. They kind of just stole his gimmick to some extent. Yep. Apparently. Apparently. also, one of the best like clips of jackass type stuff ever is Mike uh, Valet <laughs> skating in a parking lot and fighting like six dudes to to got blood uh, on uh, my hands and there's no remorse. <laughs> they don't want to hit me now. Uh, uh, just, just beating. He was like hardcore dancing, just like moving his arms around, just nailing people like sledgehammers. That shit was awesome. CKY, I'm gonna have to watch that man. I haven't seen that in years. Yeah, it, it's definitely if you're a fan of Jackass and haven't seen CKY, which I I feel like there's very few that are like that. But go back, go back and watch the CKY stuff, and now imagine Bam Margera hitting Johnny Knoxville with a brain buster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love I like Johnny Knoxville too, so this is not. Uh, I'm still not convinced he's not winning the Royal Rumble, Dane. I really do feel like they might do that. Mm. I'm not too worried about it, buddy, but I hope you're I hope you're not right. I'll just say that. That's uh that's how I'm gonna end it. Uh all right, so next, let me make sure there wasn't anything. Yeah, okay. Next we had Aaliyah and Natalia. And before the break, Natalia was going on about how many records she has. She has three for Guinness Book of World Records. 
uh, most matches by a female, most pay-per-view matches by a female, and I think the longest tenure uh, as a female wrestler. Uh, so great job, Natty. And uh, she said that she was going to get another record by the quickest win. And instead, Aaliyah got her in three seconds for the win and to actually get the record. So the record for <laughs> women's wrestler to have the shortest match is Aaliyah. Uh, and I guess I'm assuming really what this is is Natalia's working directly with Aaliyah as a coach, uh, like she's done in the past with Liv Morgan and lots of other people. So it makes sense, but um, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck to say about this whole thing. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> what you should say is stop letting Natalia coach people because they go nowhere and no one cares. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a true thing, though. Oh, God. Uh, I don't even remember this segment other than Natalia was talking for a while about her records, etc. And I'm like, some of the records don't even make sense, though. It's like, you've been on the most pay-per-views as a female wrestler. It's like, well, you've been there the longest. <laughs> like, okay. Some of these records are definitely not something to brag about, so I'm glad they tried to make it like a heel thing. <laughs> because it's just I feel bad. I like Natalia a lot. Uh, I hate that dumbass thing where the little step-up kick she does when they're sitting in the middle. Like, why is that a thing? There's certain parts of her wrestling that's very WWE. Like, we need these spots because you're Natalia that are terrible. But she's, like, actually a good in-ring performer. Um, Yeah. Not a huge fan. Yeah. Hey, man, at least she's getting, like, you know, records and stuff, I guess. Uh, another female wrestling legend, uh, Lita, returned to SmackDown, uh, you know, talking about the Royal Rumble and everything. And, of course, someone decided to interrupt her because everyone gets interrupted while they're doing a promo in wrestling. Duh. And it was Charlotte Flair. She talked shit about Lita and even talked about her bestie, Trish Stratus, and how she got bored with being a mom and decided to come back and flair ended her in 2019 at SummerSlam. And, you know, lead at one point, I mean, I'm glad it works because I guess we're, we're fucking seals as audience members and we'll just say everything, but uh great writing with the big head comment. Like Lita told Charlotte, she has a big head and then got the audience to start chanting big head. I guess it's not just WWE. Chris Jericho did it with pinhead and fucking, Squarehead too. It's really creative stuff, but we'll we'll fucking chant it, Chris. But yeah, man. Um, she gave it a twist <laughs> of fate, and uh, this is setting up some tension between Lita and uh, Charlotte, and they're both in the Royal Rumble. Like I said, I hope that that Charlotte goes in three, just like her dad. Uh, that would be great, and especially if she has, if she even if she doesn't win it, gets all the way to the end. But uh, I think both Lita and Charlotte are potential people that could win the Royal Rumble for sure. I kind of teased her earlier with Mickey James, but like, could that be like the f- three of the final four and maybe Bailey added in there for some spice Bailey or Oscar. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that's if they do that, that's a great Royal Rumble because we're going to have to watch the Bellas for oh, a while and the McCool's. Michelle McCool. What's her group's name? Wasn't Kelly Kelly in that? No, never mind. 
She wasn't. I'm trying to remember. I luckily missed that whole entire era. And I've only Dude, just gone. You're, you're so lucky. People that complain about women's wrestling now, like, go back. It's so bad. So uh, it's like the PG era, basically, was not a good uh, time period for women's wrestling. It's funny it's the PG era, but like the divas were definitely not great in ring and, and a lot of various stages of nakedness and also like you had great segments what, like wasn't the, there a the whole entire calling Piggy I, I saw, James. I saw I was watching Royal Rumble and it was such a big deal that Maria Canales was gonna be in Playboy and Santa Santino Morella, I guess, was her boyfriend and the whole fucking thing was no one wants to see you in Playboy. Like, that was a fucking storyline in 2016. Like, what? Amazing. Uh, it, it's also amazing that Mickey James is going to go back again. Because even before then, like, when she get when she finally got released, the storyline building up to that is that mean people were calling her Piggy James. Because she was a little thicker than some of the other female superstars. But she's not attractive as shit. Dude, Mickey James is hot as fuck. I don't know what they're talking about. I'd, I'd like if I was gonna go on a date. I'm gonna say date, Dane. Uh, <laughs> if I was gonna go on a date, it would definitely be with Mickey James and not one of like Michelle McCool or Summer. Sorry, under Kelly Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> Mickey James seems like she'd be more fun to hang out with. Well, it just kind of goes. <laughs> we're off. We're off the rails. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it still has to do with it because look at the difference between, you know, uh, all the way going from the Attitude Era into the PG Era into the real, re, Reality Era, and then the shift that kind of happens, and now with everything that's happening forward with women's wrestling, it just. Th- thank God we've we've got way the fuck away from a lot of those bad spots in the past. And uh, I will say, like, you're not wrong about, like, well, what what Big Swole was trying to say about female wrestling not being featured on AEW or even on a lot of TV shows, she's not necessarily wrong, but if you compare it to what it was, (laughs) like, during the Divas era, it's a lot better. That doesn't mean it's right, but it's a lot better, and you have no, you actually had to watch Impact to be able to get real women's wrestling before that even happened, right? Chris? Hey, buddy. Um... Hey, hey, sorry. Sorry, I, I cut out. But what I was getting at is, uh, like, the Big Swole's comments are, you know, they're important as far as equality, specifically with the main show of AEW Dynamite and female wrestlers. It, it wasn't just like a race thing. It was also talking about the fact that female wrestlers get like four or five minutes on the show to some extent. Uh, yeah. But if you're, if you're comparing it back to the Divas era <laughs> specifically, like there was some dumb sexist stuff in the 90s, but you also got some great female wrestlers like Jacqueline, Trish, and, and Lita. Um, and they actually had matches for 10 minutes. The Divas era is the worst. 
of female wrestling. It's three minutes and none of them know how to wrestle. And it's just, they're just there and they call their titles, the divas title. So I feel like we've came a long way, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that's kind of what I was getting at. And uh, I think female wrestling should be highlighted more for sure. But absolutely. Man, WWE. Hey, are you looking helped. forward to seeing no. uh, Lita, you know, potentially win the Royal Rumble? I feel like that's a that's that's a good match, right? Like either her versus Becky or her versus Charlotte is a good WrestleMania match. Where's Trish though? Does Trish show up as the number one entry of maybe the referee? Because technically she's retired. Is she allowed to be unretired? Like what the how the fuck does that work? Um, well, isn't Lita also retired? Like I don't I don't know. <laughs> well, she didn't have a I guess quote unquote retirement match or some shit like that. I don't fucking know. Okay. Well, uh, you know, maybe it'll be the Iron Sheik that wins <laughs> the Women's Royal Rumble. God damn it. He won the gimmicks, Battle Royal. Oh, that, was, that was great. That's because yeah, he showed up and then he yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He showed up and the doctors were like, do not throw this guy over a I love, I love hearing Jim Cornette talk about that. He's like, me and Bruce Pritchard just like fucking just kept on potatoing each other in the corner the whole entire time. So they were just like, motherfucker, <laughs> just punching each other, brother love and Jim Cornette. Just that's great. That's awesome. I love I love the goon showing up. Like he would have been the best <laughs> winner. God, can we get another one of those, please? The gimmick battle royals. That'd be great. What's uh right. what's Drake? Maverick doing Rockstar Spud. He he's a gimmick. You could bring him back and get, hire and fire him again. WWE. Shit. All right, let's keep on going. Uh, we had a match with Ricochet and Sheamus. Sheamus was pissed off because Ricochet broke uh, his boy uh, Ridge Holland's nose. Um, and I mean, Sheamus. Did anyone expect Ricochet to win this? It was a really cool sequence with the brogue kick uh, because Ricochet tried to do one of his like little jump maneuvers and just got kicked in the fucking face and afterwards naomi uh basically towed off sonya deville um and uh she was given a match against charlotte flair because she got fucked over from adam pierce which uh sonya wasn't happy with so there you go chris either one of those things they need to push sheamus i think i think it's time to push sheamus I didn't, you know, speaking about me not being around for stuff, I was watching some Royal Rumbles back-to-back, and it was, I think, 2011-2012, when Sheamus had his own theme music and was a babyface. He was fucking over like a motherfucker. Yeah, that's the, he, he they had him kill Daniel Bryan with AJ Lee. Like, he, uh, Daniel Bryan kisses AJ Lee at WrestleMania, and, and they're trying to do that record finish at WrestleMania, and the fans immediately turned on Sheamus. Damn. So he was a big baby face, and then they just turned on him because of that. Yes. Because hmm. Daniel Bryan was a little bit of an Andy Darling, and also they positioned him with AJ Lee, and you had this whole... That was during Daniel Bryan's no phase, so he was supposed to be a heel. But what the... what as far as I remember the internet community during a time period when that happened, it was basically like WWE putting their nuts in your mouth of like, no, it's Seamus. 
Uh, and, and people like Seamus, but after that, like you have, there's toxicity comes with stuff like that, you know? So yeah. it, it, it almost killed, it, it killed the Seamus character and it really didn't get rebuilt until, uh, I would even say the, the matches with Cesaro where he came back around, but like Seamus has always been, I wouldn't say necessarily a safe wrestler, but a snug, fun wrestler to watch. A brawler. And, uh, and has been in good matches with people like Cesaro. And uh, it, it's always fun to watch him beat the shit out of the Miz. They have good matches. Uh, but Cesaro now, like the stuff he's been doing with like Dam- the Damian Priest matches, for instance. I think it's time where, especially when you're doing this, we're going to have big men slapping meat kind of matches with Roman and Brock and Bobby Lashley and Big E, et cetera, for top guys. Like, find a way to put Sheamus there because he can have really good matches. I agree. I agree. I enjoy Sheamus. And, yeah, he was uh, very, very cheered by people. So I was uh, surprised that he was at that It seems like... The bigger stars around that time period, the the end of the 2010s into the 20, the end of the, tw- the 2000s into 2010s, it was like Cena, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Sheamus, Miz. Those were kind of like the bigger stars during that time period. At least someone that didn't live that era um, or watch yeah, that era. I, she- the Sheamus thing is just. It's the unfortunate rise of Daniel Bryan to some extent. It's a really weird, like, it's the first opening match of that that WrestleMania. And uh, that's the one where Rock and Ronda have a segment with Triple H and uh, Stephanie. I can't think of the number of the WrestleMania, but I remember stuff from it. And, uh, yeah, they were like, oh, we're just going to have Daniel Bryan get beaten like six seconds to Sheamus instead of have They ended up doing the match later where it was a really, really good match between Daniel Bryan and Sheamus, but the fans were pumped for it. But that came off as like WWE shitting in your mouth. It's one of those. And I don't think that Sheamus ever actually recovered from that. Well, wondering what he's going to be doing at, uh, at rumble and also at WrestleMania. So we'll want to find out. Uh, we, Hey, Hey, Chris, you want to hear a joke? Is it racist? <laughs> no. What the fuck, man? No. <laughs> it's, I'm well, kidding. I mean, it, 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 if you judge it that way. But um, here's the joke. Bad Cat Moss beat Kofi Kingston in a match. Why? Imagine having to go tell your kids that your wrestling name is Madcap Moss. Imagine telling your kids that you're going to lose to a guy named Madcap Moss just to warn them. Yeah, but, you know, he had that WrestleMania match, so it's all it's all Gucci from here on out. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Oh, Lord. Why, what What the hell? Madcap Moss, really? Like, beat Kobe Kingston, former he, WWE champion? Line. He got his punchline neck breaker. That's what he calls it. The punchline neck breaker. Uh, is it because his name is a joke? So his name well, is the actual punchline? Because he's got those great dad jokes that make fucking Baron Corbin just laugh his little giggles out. 
All right. So what we've been uh, what we, this this show was pretty subpar, if you can't tell by our evaluation and sarcasm for the last while. So honestly, if you missed it, you fucking just go back and watch the ending because that's all that really mattered with Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins having their face to face. And throughout the whole night, there was clips of, you know, um, John Moxley, actually. <laughs> they were promoting AEW by showing you John Moxley. Uh, but the shield breaking up and Seth, you know, screwing over the shield and then Seth coming out and screwing over Roman and Brock Lesnar at, at, at Mania. And just to add to this. Um, but I have it written down from Bleacher Report. Thank you for your you know, breakdowns for everything. Seth Rollins started his face to face with Universal Champion Roman Reigns by reminding him of the one sided record between the two of them when uh, it comes to wins. Uh, Reigns, uh, when the title is, is, is at stake, Reigns laughed it off, uh, saying he is in God mode and that he will head or uh, that he is the head of Rollins' table without Roman Reigns. Seth Rollins is just fine. I was climbing my way up the ladder while you were hiding the pine in the CFL, uh, which we call it. Uh, Seth Rollins said he claimed Reigns needs a bloodline while Rollins was off winning titles on his own. And then he said, I created you and I can destroy you. The number one contender said while laughing obnoxiously, Reigns said if he was looking for a megastar from Raw, he would have chosen Rollins' wife. And then the Usos attempted to sneak attack on uh, Seth Rollins, but the Visionary dodged them and escaped on the ramp. He was overheated. Uh, I'm living in your head rent-free, Roman, is what he said to close the show. So, uh, yeah. Dude, that, 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 that Becky Lynch line was pretty fucking funny. And <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got the best of them. But, dude, I like this. I definitely like this. So, and that's the weird thing is I, I think I showed you last week. I don't know if they're just playing with the idea, but they did some stuff with Roman and Seth after, uh, I guess during the dark match or whatever the fuck, basically when the cameras were off and Seth was very much doing baby face shit and even trying to get the audience to do the, uh, one, two, three with his, uh, his, his curb stomp like he used to do. So I don't know. I, I, I like this, uh, but Roman's going to win, and this is going to be like the last big guy or, or big name in WWE uh, that they have against him. Besides Brock, I guess, again, at WrestleMania. Yeah, this was a uh, good Seth Rollins, but he has a very WWE version of the history of what happened. <laughs> um. Yeah, that Becky Lynch line killed me though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm su- I'm surprised that Roman didn't show up with the man's man shirt on. Which oh. Roman, if you're if you're listening to this, oh. find one of those shirts and wear it because like the only person that could bury Seth Rollins more than Roman would be Vince McMahon. Yeah, no shit. I'm sure, like, you know, like, if I was Roman, I'm trying to be a real dirtbag heel. WWE wouldn't let this happen. I would just get a picture of, like, that Hell in the Cell match with Bray Wyatt and wear it as Oh. That's hilarious. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you're a big star, bud. So, 
aside from the the the, the Joker laughing, um, I like Seth as a heel like this though. I like when because this this reminds me of the old heel Seth Rollins and just being kind of like overly aggressive. But now he's, I guess, trying to be a fashionable Joker. I don't really know exactly anymore. But him and Roman should have a great match. This this is like a, a modern, if you will, Triple H Shawn Michaels situation. You know, you have these two guys that are always going to be linked because of the group they were in, and they're best friends in real life. So they're going to be able to have a good match, and uh, yeah, just get us to the next point wherever. We, we either have Roman against Brock or Roman against someone who wins the Royal Rumble or Elimination Chamber. So, I don't know. It's It literally is, I mean, Roman has beaten John Cena. He's already beaten Brock in Saudi Arabia. He's, he's beaten fucking Kevin Owens. He's beaten Edge. He's beaten Daniel Bryan. He's beaten everyone, pretty much. Cesaro, besides Seth Rollins. And once he does, that's like all the fucking big top guys. So... Get me there. And Rollins will get probably a really good match out of, uh, of Roman because he's he has that finesse, baby. You know what I'm saying? So, Dane, do you know uh, what I would do to book this match? And people are going to hate me for it. Chris, what would you do to, big, uh, to book this match even if people hate you for it? I would have Roman Reigns do the same thing that Brock did to Cena. Suplex idiom all over the place and yell acknowledge me the entire time and then hit a big spear because that sets up a bigger match between him and Brock and it I, I, I don't think you can hurt Seth at this point because he's not really I mean he's there in the title picture but it's not there but it also would make Roman look like a fucking boss building up to that match and not only that if you do it that way you have Seth with a chip on his shoulder that eventually, even if it's a month, even months, even if it's like a year from now, can give him vengeance to try to come back at Roman. So, yeah, I think I, that would actually be, I think, a very smart idea, honestly. Yeah, it's belly to belly suplex. Acknowledge me. Picks him back up. Belly to belly suplex. Acknowledge me. <laughs> or, or just do what he does. Superman punch. Superman punch. Superman punch. Spear. 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 You know, just done. And get on top of him, man. I mean, I know they don't blade, but if you got, they don't do hardware anymore because of Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton. So uh, that's what sucks. Because <laughs> if you got some blood on Seth Rollins, and then you have Roman just pounding his head in. And it looks like he busts them open. That's going to be powerful stuff, just like it did uh, when Brock did it to Cena and also when he did it to Orton. <sighs> Jesus Christ. He fucking gave him a concussion, yeah, but he couldn't do it the first time. <laughs> Ugh. It's, it's not Brock's fault. <laughs> don't ask Brock to hit don't you in the head. Brock. Shoot. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't ask Brock to fucking slice him open with an elbow. And. <laughs> I'm going to get one of these fan photos. I'm going to get one of these fan photos with Brock that he's been doing recently. I'm like, no, I want you to open me hard way. That's going to be the new new photo for our show is Brock murdering me. That was the dumbest shit Randy Orton could have ever asked for. (laughs) Jesus Christ, dude. Oh, I doubt he asked. I think he was probably like talking to his wife like, yeah, so I don't know like what to do. I don't know if I'm supposed to get busted open. 
uh, by Brock Lesnar's elbow strikes. Yeah, he used. To, yeah, yeah, he used to be the UFC uh, champion. I don't know. Vince, Vince thinks he'll be really good for both of us. Uh, I'm losing the match though. So, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Him and Cena. Why the hell would they agree to that? Like, at least Brock did it with Cena. How you're supposed to do it with Randy? He hit him one time. Fucking blood came out. But no. Well, you don't. You don't know how people's skin is going to react to like trying to open their forehead open with your elbow. That's uh, <laughs> there, there's no science behind that, Dane. <laughs> no, there is not. Not a lot of science behind that. Uh. Is Butterbean going to be in this Royal Rumble to punch Johnny Knoxville? Uh, him and Tank Abbott are going to be in a, a double team Johnny <laughs> Knoxville. Was it, was it Bart Gunn who's going to show up and shoot win the Royal Rumble? <laughs> he's going to beat both Butterbeam. Yeah, they're going to get his comeback uh, this year. <laughs> All right, well, that's another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I'm going to call it. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking about wrestling this past week. We got the Rumble coming up. Got a lot of stuff that's been planted in New Japan. A lot of stuff that's been planted in AEW. Their pay-per-view is coming up in February. Or not February. Uh, end of February, early March. Sometime around then. I forgot. Uh, but, you know, a lot of wrestling. We always enjoy talking to you guys. Hope you enjoy listening to us. Chris, say goodbye to all the lovely people. If you have any plugs, go ahead and say them for everyone. So hockey no plugs. Uh, yeah, no plugs this week. Uh, if you want to talk to me on Twitter at Chris, uh, Chris at Chris R. Patton on Facebook, uh, Christopher dot R dot Patton, and uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Do you want us to talk about MLW? Let us know. <laughs> sure, absolutely. And you can find me at Dane Alves forty two on Twitter and just Dane Alves A L V as in Victor E S. <laughs> Uh, on Facebook and just hit me up and we'll talk about wrestling. Hope you guys have a great one. Go watch some David Lynch films and get weird. Let the wrestling geeks Alliance be with you. And as always peace out.